death is not the end of the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. I was mm. hoping you'd be back. Sounds good. Start recording right there. Right, right when you start drinking coffee. Yeah, it was a smoothie actually, and uh, yeah, it's Joey's getting healthy. I'm, I'm LA now, bro. I'm LA now. Uh, this is a New Flesh <laughs> podcast, a podcast about horror movies and all things tangentially related to horror movies and the horror lifestyle. And my name is Joe Avella, and if you want to follow the show on the internet, I suggest you go to Instagram dot com and look up new flesh podcast we are there we're dropping all the horror movie news with me as always is brett brett redacted uh that's my name i don't have another one um i'm here on twitter though you're not on instagram yeah not on instagram i'm brett redacted on twitter brett arnold in real life Uh, i'm here talking into my iphone headphone microphone that's a Mm -hmm. fun sentence because uh having trouble with the old insanely massive soundboard to usb thing that i connect to my computer it's not really working so hope this sounds okay uh hopefully we'll be back in a couple weeks with uh updated yeah, audio yeah, that'll be fine uh well i'll also point out that our, our guy's moving uh when do you start moving oh my god we move on thursday or actually <laughs> god- we're starting wednesday night godspeed my friend godspeed I, I forget did we talk on mike about the um about the uh, the apartment that you really wanted, I that don't you did get. know. Yeah, I don't know. I got yeah. We went and viewed this apartment. It was it looked like a dream and too good to be true. And we got there mm-hmm. and it and it was as good as as promised. And we made an offer and they were pretty skeptical at first because I think they 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 thought that because we were so eager that they underlisted it, which they totally did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we got it and yeah, we are very hastily moving out and in and. It's uh, it's been crazy. It's the wor- it's the worst time of anyone's life, save for like a loved one dying or getting like some like illness. All that stuff's at the top. Then the next thing down, moving. Moving is a nightmare. Moving in a city is a nightmare. Yeah, and I haven't moved in, in nearly five years. I've Jesus been here, Christ. so I have so much shit. So it's nice to get rid of a bunch of stuff that I like. You know, have just been like, I probably there's a lot of stuff that probably five years ago I was like, well, I'll move it, and then I'll probably get rid of it, and then mm-hmm. I haven't touched it. So I'm getting rid not. of a lot of that now. It's a bit cathartic. Uh, you get your Marie Kondo on. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. Anyway, well, real quick, yeah. I'm sorry uh, uh, for those listening. This today we're going to be talking about three m- highly anticipated horror movies. I think the main event should be *Brightburn* because that is in theaters now. Uh, Brett I guess. saw it. I think they I all should be the main event because okay. uh, yeah, *Brightburn*, and then we both watched Netflix uh, new horror movie called *The Perfection*, which uh, kind of surprised me and maybe i want to talk about that probably the most Definitely. Uh, and and then charlie says which is a charlie manson movie from mary heron director mm-hmm. of famously i would say the director of american psycho because i feel like american psycho people think the book sucks but there's one of the cases where they're like yeah the movie's actually better than the book because no way you know, first of all the book is excellent I, I i don't know i just have heard a lot of people's I feel like a lot of people's take on American Psycho is the movie's good, the book is bad, and the movie's good because it was made by this female filmmaker who took like you know different direction than the book did or something. I don't know. That, I have, that's I have a, that's interesting to hear time. that because that is something that pointed out, like especially the 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 business card scene where they're yeah. like, yeah, you know, like she, that's pretty much uh, you know every male pissing contest. My dick is bigger than your dick thing that I'm sure women throughout the ages have had to suffer and, and just be around as you know dudes try to outdo dudes and it's it's like it's like perfectly 
nuanced in the way that probably no guy has ever picked up on how annoying he's being about being like, well, my, uh, well, yeah, that's pretty good. My, my card's a little bit better or whatever. So that alone is like worth the price of admission for that terrific movie. Yeah, that movie's great. Um, but yeah, Mary Heron did a Charlie Manson movie that's basically from the perspective of the women he, you know, uh, got under his wing. And, uh, Van, H- Van Houten. What was her yeah, name? Van Houten. Leslie Van Houten. Uh, what do they call her? Lulu? Lulu, yeah, that's right. Lulu Van Houten, Patricia uh, Krenwinkel, and Susan Atkins. Those are the three. The three... Um, those ones who famously showed up to the hearing with their heads shaved and singing and, and, and all that shit. And it's kind of like about them being, I guess, taught or educated or a, a woman's studies uh, professor comes in to kind of talk to them. And it kind of un, like un, a nice device to unwrap the onion of exactly how the main character, Leslie Van Houten, played by Hannah Murray from Game of Thrones, kind of fell in with Charlie Charles Manson and it goes kind of a deep dive about his manipulation. It It is a, I would say. I would say in theory, I agree with you that it's a good, a good way in, but uh, yeah, mm. we'll talk about it, I guess, later on. If anyone has watched, if anyone's watched uh, the Ted Bundy movie, uh, what it was it called? Incredibly wicked and extremely vile, extremely vile, incredibly wicked and evil or something. It is another uh, sort of spiritual run at the same, a, a different type of subject matter of focusing more specifically on the women who were around this batshit crazy murderer versus a blow by blow of of the actual murders, which I think I'm very fascinated that two movies, we'll get into more, but like there's two movies in the same couple months that take an incredibly famous, vile, charismatic serial killer and tell that story through the perspective of the women who had to put up with them. I think that's very interesting. Yeah, definitely. And of course, um, we got a bunch of horror movie news. Yeah, a lot of news. I think a couple of weeks of news because we were. Did we not do last week? Because I couldn't do it. What happened? We did not. And thank you for that half apology for uh, leaving our <laughs> fans in the lurch. Sorry, guys. I was. Oh, God. I was in Sacramento last week, or actually in Roseville, California, for uh, my girlfriend's brother's wedding. Uh, and we were there for. We were there a day earlier than we needed to be and stayed a day longer than we needed to be. Oh, thanks. Uh, so you could have easily so, have, uh, done, well, no, come back earlier than a pod. <laughs> I wish, man. It was due to like, you know, the plane, the only, the only flights out were this time and that time. So Where'd we had you to go? Get, uh, uh, to Roseville, CA, Sacramento. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you said that, I wasn't listening. I'm sorry. I sure did, buddy. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so basically we were there for a wedding and... Uh, we got there early and there's kind of nothing for us to do. And then we had to end up saying an extra, basically an entire day. Cause we're like, we want you know, we want to ideally leave on Sunday morning. The mm-hmm. only flight out was 10 PM. So <sighs> we just like literally. And we the day's to, ruined too. The well, day, the, those, yeah. those late flights. Cause like you can't really do, even if you're in a fun place, you can't really do anything. Cause you have your so shit what, packed. What and, happened was her parents yeah. live in Reno, which is not far. So they actually drove up for a day and we had like a, you know, just got lunch and hung out for a little bit. But then we still had time because this, mm-hmm. we had the whole day. So we, we went to go see like John Wick 3 or something, but it was ended up being sold out because oh. the whole, it was just fucking raining the entire time we were there too. And every it was just it was just not, you know, it, we had fun together, but uh, it yeah, wasn't it the best trip. Uh, and now I'm looking forward to our next trip, which I'll have to tell you about soon. Uh, but we're going on an actual vacation to like nice. Antigua, Antigua in What's a couple. Antigua? Or, it's an island. 
uh, in the Caribbean? I believe it gets mark? name checked in Kokomo, if I'm correct. I think right? it does. Yeah, and yeah, pretty cool. That's Very how nice. we. Uh, that's how we. That's how we planned our vacation. We just like played Kokomo and then like mm. checked flights. Yeah. Okay, Kokomo sold out. Aruba <laughs> sold too expensive. Antigua. Oh, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically what happened. And then we uh, we actually splurged and did a nice all inclusive. Everything's paid for. Nice restaurants and 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 nice, booze dude. place. So Good yeah, for that's you. June thirteenth. And I mean, we're moving this week, so everything's just happening. It's a really hectic, stressful time, but I still wanted to make time for the new Flesh Podcast. Does Mandy listen to the show? Uh, maybe at one time in her life. Uh, I don't do know think, anymore. Is this is this the uh, is this the proposed trip? I'll ask you yes or no questions in case you. Um, uh, no, it's not. But thanks for putting the pressure on. Well, um, I don't want to yeah. like pressure you, but now that you guys have moved in, I mean, that's kind of the next step. So she's probably I guess so. very we, curious that you wanted to take this vacation so soon after, oh, no. we have, after we have meeting to have the parents those. and moving in together. <laughs> we have to have those talks, but uh, we're on the same page for that with that type of stuff, I think. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. All right. So we'll we'll nip the bud real quick here with the, with the move. So um, You know what I will say? Mandy kind of listens to half the podcast because she hears me talking yeah, right now, yeah. but she like never, I, I'm assuming, I don't know if she follows up like... She, she used to listen, but I don't know if now that she we live together, if yeah. she goes back and listens to your your side of it. Of course not. She, she's, she's done being nice. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you're moving this weekend. Good luck. Uh, we'll figure out the logistics later. What did I do in the last two weeks? Nothing too exciting. I went and saw the band Idols about uh, Wednesday. Maybe one of the best shows I've ever seen. Really? Anyone who, anyone who loves going to concerts, don't sleep on Idols. Yeah, incredible, incredible live. And as, actually, I didn't realize this because I bought the tickets a while ago. <clears throat> the band that opened for them, at least in LA, I don't think they're on tour with them anymore. You ever heard this band called Fontaine's DC? They're kind of like having a no. moment right now. Okay. They're like they're like uh, uh, the I- Irish Strokes Joy Division kind of oasis sounding group that I heard about there on the late show like a month ago. I think they're on the late show. Maybe they were on, I forget. I think they were on the one that, um, uh, who hosts it? Fuck. I forget. I think they're on the one that Corden hosts, whatever that one is. I forget. They were on one of the, one of the most recent late night shows. And I didn't even realize they were opening until like the day before. So I got to see them. Thankfully, uh, they're very good live as well. But anyway, idols like in- incredible show. Highly recommend. What kind of, what kind of music is that? Um, I don't know. Yeah, sort of like post punk. I would put them in the same category okay. as like um, I can't even say. It's not like they're like so unique. It's just everyone listening a has show. a free, has a free has a streaming service. Go idols. The new album's joy. Joy is an act of re- resistance. So so good. Google them. They're great. I D L E S. Idols. Fucking amazing show. Um, what else did I do? I don't know. Just doing bullshit for work. Um, hang on. Gotta take a sip. Ooh, good set. I don't know when, but sometime this summer, I'll be going to Vegas for some work stuff. So very excited about that. Ooh, what are you doing in Vegas? Uh, you know? don't, don't want to say, you know, no, nothing like really big, but it works okay. kind of fickle on us sharing things that we're doing before. Just, yeah. in, I mean, who knows who listens to this podcast who also works in media, but just True. in case. But I'm definitely going to be uh, eating a lot. Let's just say that. So if anyone has any food recommendations in Vegas, hit your boy up. For sure, for sure. That sounds good. Well, I can't say where I'm going, but let's just say uh, Toby Keith loves that bar and grill. <laughs> <laughs> let's just say it's a ville with margaritas. <laughs> let's just say there's a certain uh, flamed-haired 
Food Network star. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to say where it's going to go, but rest assured, it will be redonkulous. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, other than that, I don't have much more to report now, but do, have you ever heard of this thing? Maybe other people are getting uh, uh, ads for it on whatever Instagram, wherever you go. This thing called the Mysterious Package Company? Um, No. Like I geek out on this stuff because I forget if I talked about it on the podcast a year or two ago when Mo and I did one of those like male mystery things. We did a thing called To Hunt a Killer or To Hunt yeah, a Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of fun. It was like a year long and, and we really enjoyed it. So I found another one that's like, I think it was like a little over a hundred bucks all in for just like one, a one-time package thing. And it came in the mail yesterday. I haven't gotten a chance to really go through it, but I opened it. It was like this wooden, mini wooden crate. And inside it's this weird note that someone wrote about basically being like, here, this is your burden. Now you take care of this, you know, do with, do with it what you will. Yeah. And then inside is a, is a diary of a kid with all these crazy scribbles in it and some weird medallion with marks on it. And also a missing poster of the same kid whose diary it is. So I don't know what the fuck this thing is, but I can't wait to start reading it. Like there's pages ripped out of the diary and like some of the pages look all scrawled. Like some other person, like, like just like scribbled a bunch of stuff out. It looks fucking crazy. Uh, I know that, um, Neil Patrick Harris was like an investor in the company. So that's not how I found out, but I think like he's like a celebrity signed off and it being like a really cool thing. So very excited to get into that. Okay. That sounds cool. Mm. And before we get into uh, the bits and the pieces, for those of you who didn't know, this podcast is supported by the fans on a little uh, website called Patreon, patreon.com. Or Patreon, go to Patreon and search New Flesh Podcast, and you'll see we have a Patreon with donations, monthly donations that can be as low as $2 a month going the way up to all types of fun, cool stuff that we will do for you. We have a bonus episode two, episode a month bonus show. We also have an exclusive uh, Facebook page where all the uh, the true fans, the Pizones as we're calling ourselves, uh, go and talk about all the latest horror, this and that. And of course, we like to spotlight a donor every episode and today i would like to uh uh, spotlight our good buddy hoff matthews aka matt hoffman uh matt has been a guest on the show from like 100 years ago when he did the uh uh what's that what's that lovecraft Lovecraft yes the lovecraft episode excuse me and that was a great one and matt has his own podcast number ones which i'm assuming he still does haven't checked in sorry matt check that out and also but Horror-related, Matt puts on a horror fest in Brooklyn, New York. I believe it's monthly where he shows a horror movie. He does these horror shows called Hoff's Horror Fest where they show a horror movie and they, like, I think stop it and do, like, you know, either a sketch in between or some sort of bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of funny people producing the show. He actually asked us to help out with his next one because his next one is Videodrome. Mm -hmm. But I just had to break it to him that that's the day I'm moving. So I don't know if I'll have time to pop by. Um, and I definitely, don't, I definitely don't have time to prep. Uh, and I feel really bad because I really was excited. And I've been, you know, it's one of those things where Hoff always invites me to those screenings. Mm-hmm. And I always want to go, but it's always on a night where either I have a show or I'm out of town or something. Mm-hmm. So I just, just want to throw out that real quick that Hoff, your, your, your tenuous relationship with Brett Arnold is completely his fault. <laughs> Thanks, Brett. Hey, yeah, uh, I, I really wanted to participate. I love Videodrome. We still haven't done it on the show. Uh, I think getting Hoff maybe in the future for our video drum episode will be a good, uh, good uh, making up for that. Or something. Yeah, good for that. But if you live in or around Brooklyn, check out Horrors Hoff Fest. <laughs> Horrors yeah. Hoff Fest. Hoff's Hoff Horror, Horror Fest, Fest. Excuse me. Fest. Yeah. This uh, Friday the thirty first. 
He'll be doing Videodrome, but he does one every yeah. month. Last every month, month he did People Under the Stairs. I think the month before that he did Child's Play. Yeah. Uh, so he's always doing fun, cool stuff in the Brooklyn area, holding it yeah. down for all and the horror get, fans. Thank you. in the newsletters and people show up. It's really cool to see. And thank you very much, Hoff, for your generous donation. And if you guys would like to get a shout out for your horror-related thing or listen to our bonus episodes or join, join us in the very fun a private Facebook page. Go to patreon.com and search New Flesh Podcast and throw us a couple bucks, guys. And I and do ha- want to address something. Uh, you sent me You sent me uh, an angry... Well, I don't... I, I don't no, 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 no. The reason I don't is because... Uh, I want to uh, just... Okay. Go, right. Well, I don't know. Whatever, fine. Go you for it. You can edit this out if you want. I was just going to say uh, someone... I don't want to call anybody out in particular, but... We've been we've got a, a note from someone who like is kind of upset about. By the way, paywall. one person. So one person. I just want to. Yeah, that's why I wanted to say in case there are others who feel this way because you know we say like the true fans have access to this page, whatever. But like you know the the show will always be free and the show will always be what it's always been, and like the stuff that's behind the paywall is truly just bonus content. Yeah, and, like, uh, Instagram is free. We got an Instagram page there. You can talk your ear off there. Yeah, so like I just want to let anyone know who feels slighted by the fact that like they they don't, don't want to pay for the show. Like that's okay. You don't have we don't <laughs> I don't expect people to pay for this. So like the people that do, it's a nice bonus and it helps us out and hopes hopefully makes the show better. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't want anyone to think that this show is turning into some paid thing. It's like no, or an exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the show is always going to be down. what it is. That's all I'm trying to say. Four to eight hours of free content a month is not enough for you. Then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> All right. And with that in mind, it is time for G- Bits and Pieces. Wow. Okay. Um, let me find my news. All right. Well, why don't I start off while you're looking? I got uh, it. If you don't. Okay, go. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, Chris Rock mm-hmm. is rebooting the Saw franchise with Lionsgate and Twisted Pictures. And yeah, yes. That Chris Rock. Um, <laughs> this news broke last week, and uh, I had to read the headline a few times and make sure I'm not losing my fucking mind. There wasn't like a fever dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so this is another situation. I feel like it. Do you think this happens without Jordan Peele's like? No, uh, uh, no get out? way, no okay. way. And I don't think it also happens without Danny McBride and uh, David Gordon Green's Halloween. I don't think it happens without, even though not really comedy. John Krasinski's A Quiet Place. Uh, I don't want to say a seal has broken, but as early as like four years ago, to think of anyone who's primarily known for comedy making legit horror, not only box office horror gold, but also horror that is uh, socially conscious or uh, is making a larger point about what's going on in the world today. People have been like, get the fuck out of here. Comedy can't do that or comedians can't do that. So I'm not surprised Chris Rock did it. And I'm I'm glad they did because if there's one comedy, I mean, besides Dave Chappelle, if there's one person who for the past 30 years ish now has been like using the platform of comedy to speak about what's really going on in the world, it's Chris Rock. So for him to see that this is something that is a viable place for his voice, thrilled. I love Chris Rock. I mean, yeah, bring the pain and bigger and blacker. I mean, those those two those two back to back comedy specials are like are perfect. Like, just yeah, what you just the best made, what you just said is perfect because Saw movies. You know, I feel like they may have gotten a bad rap as torture porn for a while, but like mm-hmm. you have to understand when they came out in the context of mm-hmm. of the world we lived in. And those movies were a direct response to like the Abu Ghraib's uh, uh, 
you know, debacle and like American torture of, of, you know, the enemy. And like, that's what the Saw movies were a reaction to. And it's totally right. Uh, mm-hmm. What you said about Chris Rock and his, how he tells it like it is like those, that sensibility mixed with the Saw franchise, mm-hmm. which admittedly became, you know, it became, it started at what it was and became a fucking disgusting horror franchise that just became about how they can kill people more efficiently. Uh, so I feel like the pairing of Chris Rock who cares about like, you know, the underlying, I would, I would say whatever you just said, the underlying message that he's putting out there, like that combined with the Saw movie, like that could, the potential is just unlimited. It could be amazing. Yeah. And you know, he, he, if you look at his, his filmography, um, he's directed some stuff, he directed top five or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he, he's used, yeah. I mean, he, he did that movie, Good Hair, which oh, yeah. is a documentary. Like he's done a lot of like, uh, uh, social socially conscious uh works in uh in lot in lots of uh in lots of uh what i'm sorry in 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 film before so i mean i'm glad he's doing i think he can do like a really good job about of it so uh yeah Yeah, very excited here's some quotes from him he said i've been a fan of saw since the first film in 2004 i'm excited by the opportunity to take this to a really intense and twisted place uh, and this quote coming is from Joe Drake, who I used to work for when I was interning at Lionsgate. Oh, nice. Um, when Chris Rock came to us and described in chilling detail his fantastic vision that reimagines and spins off the world of the notorious Jigsaw Killer, we were all in. Saw is one of the highest grossing horror franchises of all time. It's one of Lionsgate's most successful film series. The upcoming film will still be as mind-bending and intense as all the previous Saw films. Chris conceived the idea, and it will be completely uh, reverential to the legacy of the material while reinvigorating the brand with his wit, creative vision, and passion for this classic horror franchise. Now, is, is he going to be writing it? He's going to be writing it, and I think I read that he's uh, starring in it, too. Whoa. Yeah, I haven't... St- this Deadline article, I don't think, mentions that, but mm. I saw somewhere else mention it, so maybe not. Uh, the movie is di- being directed, uh, also, by Darren Lynn Bowsman, who famously directed... Uh, probably the three most popular Saw sequels, two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. Probably right, right in the heyday. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did that Repo, the genetic opera movie that people like. He did the Mother's Day remake, which I think is pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done a bunch of like kind of DT straight to video stuff since then, uh, in- including Saint Agatha, which I just watched recently and thought was terrible. But I know some people. <laughs> I know right. some people that like it, including Keon, fan of the show, friend of the show. Um, yeah, so Daryl and Bowsman's back in this, doing a Saw movie. And Chris Rock is writing it and potentially starring. Uh, very exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What do I got here? Um, Hulu orders horror anthology series based on the North American Lake Monster stories from Annapurna TV. Mm. So Hulu has given an eight episode order to North American Lake Monsters colon stories, a collection of short stories by Nathan Ballingrud from preacher writer producer Mary Laws. Mm. Under the Shadow and Wounds filmmakers Babak Anvari and Lucan Toe and Annapurna Television. Created by, written, and executive produced by Laws. Uh, it's a contemporary anthology in which, through encounters with gothic beasts, including fallen angels and werewolves, broken people are driven to desperate acts in an attempt to repair their lives, ultimately showing there is a thin line between man and beast. Mm. Uh, there's a book, North American Lake Monsters, released in 2013, was... Ballinger's first published book. Um, cool. This sounds like it could be interesting. I, it's too, you know, too early to tell. Yeah. But uh, but back in Vari, the guy behind Under the Shadows, who just did that other movie that we talked about last time, that said uh, wounds that people kind of didn't like, and then he has another project on the horizon. This is another project on the horizon. Hey, all him. right, good for him. 
Good for him. Um, I got so I got, I got Go ahead. Uh, Stephen King's The Long Walk film taps scary stories to tell director. Yes, I, which to me, uh, the better credit is Autopsy of Jane Doe director. Yeah, Andre Orvidal, I believe is the pronunciation yes. of his name. And I am so, so excited for this. I love this book. It's one of my favorite King books, technically a Richard Bachman book, but it's really great. Tell and, me about it. What is it? Uh, the idea is in, you know, all the Richard Bachman books take place in some sort of dystopian future or alternate universe. And this one, it is a time in the not too distant uh, apocalyptic future where every year they have something called the long walk where they take a hundred teenage, I'm pretty sure it's boys, I think like around the age of 18. And they have this like endless stretch of highway starting in, of course, probably Maine or someplace on the East Coast, where they all start walking down the road. And it's like, and it's like guarded and people just stand and watch it, like almost like this, like long, almost like marathon. And they keep walking until one person is left standing. If you stop or you go too slow or if you fall over or stop for any reason, you're killed. So wow. it's this, so it's this, and the whole thing is from the perspective of one kid who's there and like, you know, it's, it's just like perfect slow burn horror where I, they're just walking and, and you can't stop to sleep. You can't stop to eat. You can't stop because your shoes are untied. You can't stop for any reason. And if any of that stuff happens, you just fall over and, and someone just runs up and shoots you in the head. So that sounds cool. Yeah. And it's like, just like the biggest event of the year. Oh, and whoever wins because I guess I forget exactly the details, but it's implied also that there's like, it's like a military run country. Now, whoever wins gets any wish or anything they want fulfilled and and everyone's in poverty. So the idea is like, if you finished a long walk, you can turn around and be like, I want my family to be you know rich and give a hundred million dollars and be successful. So it's like one of those kind of like everyone's a have not, and there's a few haves that kind of orchestrate it. So it's so great. It's so well-written. It's just uh, but it's like a simple idea. There's no cutaways. There's no, how did we get to this place? There's no real backstory about the characters other than what they tell each other. Um, and just the longer it goes, you know, it's like the more tense it gets. Cause I mean, I think they walk in the book for like six or seven days, maybe not as long, but like no food, no water, no stopping, no rest. I mean, it gets pretty brutal at the end where they're just like, you know, kids are just falling over and begging for their lives. And these military guys will just like, sorry, and just shoot them and onto the next one. It's, it's really fucked up. So I think that has a potential of being an incredible movie. I don't know who is produced by Vanderbilt. Uh, I'm assuming the production company that's doing it. Because I think that like whoever's adapting this has the opportunity to, to like really play with a slow burn script. I was talking with someone on our Instagram page about this, but we shared the same concern that if they try and like world build or be like let's flash back mm. to what these people were doing before they did this or or what's the it's reason that the country is like this is like terrible yeah. i know yeah it's like i don't give a shit about that the book just stays with the kid the whole time it's all from his the, the main kid's perspective and everything about the characters kind of comes out and what they're talking about because a bunch of boys just like walking in like almost in a certain doom and they got nothing to do but just talk to each other about fucking whatever and you know little clicks start to uh start to uh, combine and like you know like people are trying to like sabotage each other towards the end there because they're, they're walking for survival really and it's such a great book so it has it has the potential of being really great if fingers crossed you know uh trigger happy studio executives get worried that there isn't like incredible violence or gore or scariness at the beginning you know i mean it definitely rewards uh the readers at the end so I really hope it's great because i love this book and it's the amazing director. to me that there are still like untapped Stephen King books out there. 
I, I feel that now that, I mean, it's finally seemed like they're getting it right most of the time after God knows how many decades, three or four decades of them just kind of blowing it, occasionally getting a good one, but usually them being bad. Is yeah. that before it used to be like, well, is this going to be a movie or a miniseries? And if it's a movie, we got to take the super long, interesting book and condense it to an hour and a half. And if it's a miniseries, you know, back in the 90s, as we see with The Stand, which I do enjoy, it's like they just didn't have the budget to really like bring it all home, you know? But yeah. now finally with like the technology of uh, filmmaking and the fact that we're not like with streaming servers, not beholden to either like a hour and a half movie or a, a 10 part miniseries or whatever, like people can kind of like are freed up to have a little more fun with like what they can and can't do in its length is we're finally getting like his stuff is uh, getting the due it deserves, I guess. I mean, obviously nothing has been like perfect, but certainly now there's more opportunity to get it right, which I'm, which I'm glad. And well, also I, I, of, I wonder sorry. if, I wonder if Stephen King is just being like, not really worried about the money anymore. I'm sure he's getting paid, but just kind of just being like, is more concerned with it getting done right as opposed to it being like a blockbuster movie, you know? Well, you hope so. I mean, I guess I guess it has been an, an uptick since uh, the Dark Tower movie, which was really bad. But yeah. that was still pretty recent enough. And he was still, you know, he was still doing the press tour before the movie came out. But I think even since that's come out, he's probably changed his tune a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's cool that there are so many. And on that note, I'm going to keep it in the Stephen King corner. Please I got do. another one. Oh, all right. um, Stephen King's uh, The Eyes of the Dragon mm. is in the works at Hulu and Fox 21st Century. Yeah, Hulu loves um, this guy. Yeah, so this is kind of the way Deadline writes about it. They right. they write about it as if it's like the, the, the young adult answer to Game, the, uh, Game of Thrones. Really? Uh, and here's what, yeah. Here's what uh, Scott Wampler, past guest of the show, wrote about it for uh, Birth Movies Death. He said, very exciting news. Who's developing Eyes of the Dragon, the 1984 fantasy horror novel that served as a gateway drug for an entire generation of King fans. Seth Graham Smith will write the pilot episode of the series in addition to serving as showrunner. Uh, It's a dark fantasy adventure revolving around two young brothers, one of whom gets framed for the murder of their father. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a noteworthy killing as the brothers are princes and their father a king. But the murder itself is actually an elaborate ruse carried out by the king's trusted musician, Flag. This all takes uh, pl- this all takes place in a uh, in like uh, what do you call it? Like old times. Yeah, or like a Game of Thronesy world. Yeah. So the Eyes of the Dragon is another one of King's flag stories. What other what other flag stories are there? Uh, Randall Flag was the, the was the bad villain? guy. It was the bad guy in uh, or the main bad guy in the stand. Okay. Right. Uh, so yeah, I another one of King's flag stories and finds him scheming up a storm in order to keep one brother in prison while the other brother sits on the throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, along the way, there's magic and a giant tower and a dollhouse turned out to have a much greater purpose. And it was intended for. It's a great book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Wampler says it will work as a series. Uh, it's basically a young adult Game of Thrones with gritty fantasy stuff butting up against bitter political intrigue and the goings on of the Kingdom of Delane. Um, it sounds cool. It sounds like you know. I, I, I don't know if there's there's been a good Stephen King fantasy movie yet or TV show. I mean, how many fantasy ever, things but, has he written? I mean, I guess you could call Dark Tower fantasy esque, and that, that movie's fucking bad. But it is getting a uh, a show, right? TV, TV treatment now, yeah, on Amazon. Yeah, and uh, um, it's like isn't it about like going back and forth between the real world and fantasy? It almost has like a last yeah. last action hero. Uh, uh, vibe to it. <laughs> yeah. Terrible, terrible Great comparison. comparison. I love it. <laughs> That's um, funny. Let's move from the Stephen King corner to the James Wan corner. Oh, because yeah, yeah. there's a lot of James Wan news today. The Wand. Uh, 
Yeah, the wand. Uh, James Wan and Sam Raimi are are joining forces to produce something called The Burden. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a Dutch short film. Uh, The short was picked up, blah, blah, blah. Uh, The short centers on a young woman visiting her boyfriend's family home. There, she learns about a sinister history with his creepy neighbor, and soon Mm -hmm. all kinds of skeletons come out of the closet. Uh, Very vague description, but that's one project on the horizon for James Wan and Sam Raimi. Uh, Another one, James Wan and Lindsay Beer tackling Mark Miller's The Magic Order series. Mm. Uh, The Magic Order is a Netflix adaptation of a Mark Miller comic book series. Wan will direct the debut episode of the series, while Lindsay Beer, who wrote the adaptation, uh, will write and act as showrunner. Both are executive producing. Order was the first comic Miller, the co-creator of Kick-Ass and Wanted, put out after the, after the digital streamer acquired his comics imprint Miller World in 2017. Mm-hmm. The multi-generational story follows five families of magicians who are sworn to defend the human world but are now being picked off one by one. Um, okay, magic. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, I guess. All right, and you know James Wan's also working on Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. which for the DC Universe uh, streaming platform that I n- nobody I know has. Wait, that's um, what it's going to be on? I thought it was going to be it's like... It's on a DC platform, yeah. It's on a thing that no one has. So is it too. out already? No, but I'll let you know when it is, and uh, hopefully one of us can foot the bill for that. I would like to see it. Yeah, but, you see uh, the... Uh, What's-his-face? Uh, John Squires uh, tweeted out the image of uh, yeah, Swamp Yeah, Derek Mears. Derek Mears is a good dude. I, I like him. He does good work, so... Okay, and the suit looks pretty fucking dope, dude. Like it looks yeah, so really it's a practical, cool. it's a practical Swamp Thing suit. And he just looks like a big green mossy motherfucker. It looks cool. Yeah. Uh, this this start this Magic Order series, I don't really know nothing about. Mark Miller, I like Kick Ass, the first movie. I, I like uh, Wanted back in the day. I haven't seen it since two thousand seven or whatever mm-hmm. it came out. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll I'll check it out. James Wan directing a pilot is interesting to me. I like his, you know, big fan of James Wan's direction. Mm-hmm. And another James Wan news. He's producing a Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Do you think one of the things is going to be that they're going to reboot the Mortal Kombat theme song? Oh my God. Mortal Kombat. Luke Like Luke Kang, Johnny Cage, <laughs> Jax, Sub Zero. Right? Remember that song? Flawless. All right, it's back. Yeah, so Mortal Kombat will be the largest film production in South Australia's uh, history. It's filming in South Australia. What's Uh, number two? I don't know. Wolf Creek or whatever? (laughs) Maybe. There's so many Wolf Creek movies and a TV show. It's nuts. Yeah, that shit is huge. I I recall correctly, I saw the first one and it really turned out to be like, I don't know if torture point is the right word. It was was bad. Like the guy's guys harassing him and eventually kills them. I hate movies like that where it's just like. I just remember being disappointed by it. I also, I remember sneaking into the theater to see it. Because it's stupid. I can't stand any sort of like, we're being stalked by this maniac killer for no reason. And then at the end, he or she successfully kills everyone and moves on. That, that's kind of the gist yeah. of it, right? Well, well, you like Terrifier. That's kind of similar, no? Yeah, but the, I like it because it's like insanely ridiculous. Like Terrifier. Yeah, like, well, like, it doesn't it, go far enough. Yeah. It's either do it or don't. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Like, like, like Terrifier, you would never watch Terrifier and be like, oh, like it's, it's, like, it's so offensive. It can't be offensive because it's so ridiculous. I feel like the movie's like, like any movie that kind of like is from the camp of not the hills have eyes. What's the one that he did before that? High tension. No, the one with um, I hate to say, gang rape. Last house on the left was that it? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, actually, no, that's a bad example. I don't know. There's any movies. There's an old school movie which just being like, 
person kills a bunch of people for seemingly no reason and then the end i just think like the other thing is like so lazy it's like it's not scary it's just yeah it's just i just remember no it being boring if anything i don't mind those type of horror movies if they deliver what i want from them and, and wolf creek i remember just was boring I, I don't know yeah i never watched the sequels or anything i don't think yeah um but yeah mortal kombat i don't really care i just wanted to mention it in the james wan well how uh, many how many mortal kombat heads we got listening i mean are people are people stoked for goria goro are we are we gonna get finally get that goro we were promised a couple years ago multiple arm, a, <laughs> is goro gonna have a, the arms he's supposed to is his ponytail gonna be right is his loincloth gonna be correct <laughs> there's a new video game yeah. mortal kombat that just came out that people are really excited about right. uh I have not played Will it. Will Baraka make an appearance? Or are we going with the original cast? The original Wow, Mortal you know a cast? lot about it. Of course. Yeah. I was a teenager in the 90s. I know all about my My dad's restaurant uh, had... It's called Mortal uh, Kombat's? N- yeah. No, he had w- one of his arcade games for a long time was Mortal Kombat. So I played it, I played it a lot. <laughs> Great game. Cool. Um, I got more. Uh, the next installment in the Purge franchise arrives July 10th, 2020. Uh, Demonico recently told EW, uh, I have the next installment in my head. I think I'm going to write it. I think it's a great way to end it all. We want to end it all, I think, in this one, and I'm very excited. When I came up with the idea, we pitched everybody. They seem psyched, and I think it'll be a really cool ending. Okay, he really said nothing. That was a terrible quote. Um, yeah, James Demonico's directed all these movies. They keep getting slightly better, but not really. I I keep wanting this, 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 uh, this franchise to be worth everyone's time. When was the just, last one? Uh, the first purge, it was called. It was like the Trumpy one. Yeah, I right. Think, I think, Is that two yeah. years ago? Uh, it must have been last summer. Yeah, I, I really, I really fell off with that uh, TV show. I did, I did like I it. Excited. I just never yeah. felt the need to check in on it. I guess I should go back and watch. It was on. Sci-Fi? Yeah, I kind of want to USA. I think, yeah. but it may have simulcast on on that too. Yeah. Um, I do want to watch it. I forget. Did it get picked up for a season two? How would the I know? Purge season two renewed. Yes. Ah, good so good all right, I'll, I'll watch it um okay what else i got ridley scott suggests that disney is looking to quote evolve the alien franchise uh in a new chat with the hollywood reporter he reflected on 40 years of the franchise ridley scott notes that discussions have taken place with uh ridley scott himself lobbying for an evolution you uh, here's a quote yeah. you get to the point where you say okay it's dead in the water i think alien vs predator was a daft idea and i'm not sure it did very well or not i don't know but it somehow brought down the beast us he explained Correction, first two beasts yeah truly and they it did well enough they did what two more yeah, one uh, more two more they really did more. requiem that was the one that like the rated r one because everyone was annoyed and then was there another one a couple years later wasn't there another one like recently or am i insane no you're probably thinking of the regular the predator one. yeah okay. uh, the shane uh, smith one yeah not and shane smith that, sorry shane. shane smith yeah i was like what shane black shane yeah. black yeah uh, and I said to them, listen, you can resurrect this, but we have to go back to scratch and go to a prequel if you like. So we go to Prometheus, which was not bad, but he said, which was not bad, actually, says the director <laughs> of Prometheus. Uh, <laughs> that movie that you had to have homework to enjoy? Yeah, no, it was not bad. You know what? I used to hate it. I love it so much now. Uh, but you know, there's no alien in it except at the end uh, that showed itself the possibility. What about, I mean, it what about Alien Covenant? Man. What about Alien Covenant? He, I don't know. I think he forgot about that. Uh, the alien, the alien is uniquely attached to mother nature. It simply comes off a wood beetle that will lay eggs in, inside some unsuspecting insect, and in, in doing, in so doing, the form of of the egg will become the host of the new creature. That's hideous, but that was that. But that was what it was. I'm sorry, and you can't keep repeating that because the joke gets boring. I think it's just tough. The joke wears out once you've seen it twice, three times. It's no longer frightening. It's over. So we're it's looking over. where we're going to evolve. 
leaving that past behind and see where it can evolve. Yeah, here's what he so, should yeah. do. He should cut a check for like a few grand, fly those kids who made that play out to London, give them next to no money and be like, here, you guys make one. And then it'll be like, yeah, that's it'll not be a bad fun idea. if he just did like a really like indie version of what these kids think of fun alien. Hey, if they want to remake Alien with you know like cardboard boxes and shit like they did, or if they want to do their own version of it, and just but just be like, we're we're giving you next to no money, so you guys got to build everything from scratch and make it look all junky and fun, because the story of doing that is far more interesting than anything they could possibly do with Alien. Everything, everything Alien from because the first two are the only good ones in my opinion are hey we stumbled upon this alien on accident oh shit it's unstoppable it, it it drools acid and is like you know it bursts out of our stomachs that's cool one was amazing james cameron miraculously came in and, and and arguably made an even better one by making an action movie after that three uh the joss whedon one all the alien versus predators the resurrection all that shit it is so i forget how many there are they're all the same sort of movie at a different what if it was a prison colony what if it's a million years in the future and they it's like but he's right it's like the whole thing is like i think we can contain this thing oops we can't and we're in outer space and is it going to kill us before we get away that's the fucking plot of every one of those movies there's nothing left to do hey he made except alien prometheus which was way different except even and, and not really that not good in my opinion but even if people liked it it's like okay well then but those are different movies those are like aliens involvement in the evolution of the human race which is a completely different movie which he wants to do fine but nobody wants to go see prometheus 2 that's why alien that's why covenant was called covenant and not prometheus 2 um the point is yes, it was, a, it was to, total bait and switch yeah. like hey really yeah. scott's a genius he's made some of my favorite movies but as far as going like another alien movie, he's like bro it's done it's done make us make the sequel to black rain if you really like want to go back to, back to the well like it's, it's over like just do something else uh okay uh, you you tell him you tell ridley scott yes because someone because someone in the, the podcast go ahead and just uh, email him this pod hey, for sure hey ridley fast forward to uh to a uh, minute 40 uh more news there's so much i'm gonna barrel through uh shutter renews uh the last drive-in with joe bob briggs for season two nice we don't have a date uh congratulations to everyone who works on that show including john brennan let it go buddy who was on the most recent one Mm -hmm. uh playing guitar Mm -hmm. uh he's on the show a lot he's on the show a lot uh it must film near it must film in long island city i'm pretty sure it does oh yeah we had sam we had sam on the show and he lives in new york and he's like the main guy so yeah it's somewhere near I feel like I should uh, try to get on the get in the, at least go to a taping. Yes, season. absolutely. Please do. All right, try to get some new flesh representation on there via John <laughs> if we can somehow. Yeah. Totally. Um. All right. Uh, Snowpiercer, which I believe was supposed to be on TNT, mm-hmm. uh, and then they like canceled it after. Like, yeah, the guy who created the yeah, show left, and then it, left, it, fell, it yeah. fell apart. Um. Anyway, that series is now happening again, and it's going to TBS. And so, and it's not only happening, it's already got a season two confirmed. Wow. So at least two seasons of Snowpiercer. I'm curious about that. Uh, I, 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 just because I heard that, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think a very smart strategy for these, um, like, I, I, I hate to say basic cable because it's not like really how it is, but we'll say like these premium channels is to automatically give any show that they even think has a chance two seasons because make the first season and then put it on any streaming service. Like I would not be surprised if season one of Snowpiercers is on Netflix the second they air the first, the last episode of the first season. Like, cause that's just the way that it goes now. It's like 
people aren't really talking about shows unless they're like on Netflix and people like everyone can watch them and, and create a buzz. So well, why not, you know, make a, make a two, just plan on doing two seasons unless it's like a huge flop, which I don't think this will be, but two seasons are really smart. I yeah, I think it'll, yeah. I mean, the, the Brett White's, the general manager for TBS said, we believe in the longevity of the series mm-hmm. and that audience will be amazed with a fantastic world that brings to life, to, to, that brings to life such relevant Social, political, and environmental issues. I guess, but what's the show? Is it going to be on the train? Uh, here. Uh, the series is set more than seven years after the world has become a frozen wasteland. Snowpiercer centers on the remnants of humanity who inhabit a giant perpetually moving train that circles the globe. Class mm-hmm. war. It just sounds like the movie. Class warfare, social injustice, and the politics of survival play out. Uh, I feel like yeah. I had heard maybe in an earlier iteration that um, it was going to take place after the spoiler alert train crashes at the end and they're trying to rebuild. And I was like, yuck, if that's what the show's going to be, no thanks. Yeah. Well, Scott Derrickson, I try to think of what he, he left the show in 2018. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to find this article. What he said, the pilot was written by Josh Friedman. Uh, but then shortly after that happened, Friedman left the project over creative differences. Uh, and on Twitter said he was fired for fear of not being compliant about a month later, Orphan Black co-creator Graham Mason was tapped as a new showrunner with TNT's executive vice president calling him the best conductor to navigate, blah, blah. Freeman lashed out at, at Graham Manson for not reaching out to him, saying, if you're asked to rewrite someone or take over their show, it's in a good sense and good karma to reach out to that person first and find out what the circumstances of the departure were and be thank them for doing the work you'll be profiting from. You should buy that person a nice meal or a bottle of alcohol. Uh, your money was earmarked for them at one time, blah, blah, blah. So he's mad. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Now Derrickson has added fuel to the fire. This is just from like a year ago. Mm-hmm. He said, the 72-page Snowpiercer TV pilot by Josh Friedman is the best I've ever read. The feature-length pilot I made from the script may be, the best, may be my best work. The new showrunner has radically different vision for the show. I'm forgoing my option to direct the extreme reshoots. Hmm. So they're, they're redoing the whole thing, it sounds like. And Derrickson failed. So that's another and reason why they're, sound- doing, they're doing two seasons, because it's like, we've already put a shit ton of money in this fucking thing. It's happening. Yeah, Derrickson did um, Doctor Strange. Um, he was a producer. Uh, he's produced a lot. He produced... Oh, wait, he wrote and directed uh, Sinister. Um, Last time, Exorcism of Emily Rose. Eh. Made his name on the Final Cuts, Urban Legend, uh, wrote and direct Hellraiser Inferno, and and miraculously got work after that. Congratulations to Scott on that. That's that's no that's no e- easy feat. So, yeah, Derrickson's. I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, if you if you had Doctor Strange, I, mean, money, I don't like Derrickson. He's an idiot on Twitter. Sure. But I mean, but if you had uh, Doctor Strange yeah. money, and it's like. And then, you know, yeah. not like, you know, if whatever TBS is like, oh, we have some notes for you. It'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a billionaire now. So it's stick your notes up your ass. So, okay. Yeah, I feel you. Uh, all right. Next bit of news. What do I got? I uh, don't need that one. That was not good. Uh, a couple good horror movies. What uh, can film festival just happened? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the Lighthouse premiered. Yeah, the new Robert Eggers Everyone is movie. losing their mind over that. Thank God. Yeah. People loved it. And the new Bong Joon-ho movie, uh, Parasite, won the Palm Door. People love it. Wow, really? Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, first time a Korean movie's run the Palm Door. Whoa, uh, that's great. I know. I know. It's nuts to think about. There have been so many great Korean movies there. Uh, he's one director before, but this is a unique honor. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so Parasite's supposed to be amazing. Lighthouse supposed to be amazing. Tarantino movie very divisive, as predicted. Um, Hang on a second. I don't know. Here's what here's what annoys me personally about the quote divisiveness of Quentin Tarantino's ninth 
film, normally you would think when you hear divisiveness, you're like, man, like it's because of the subject matter of this. And it's just the guy is Tarantino. So the divisiveness is like, uh, this guy isn't so great anymore. And other people are like, nah, he's still great. I mean, that's not the divisiveness of the movie. That's what I've read. It doesn't seem like people, people are like, this movie's stupid and this guy's done. And other people are like, he's back and better than ever, which it doesn't really tell me a lot about the movie. Yeah, and I've been purposefully avoiding um, reading about it because I don't want to know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure in my mind, I'm seeing it as him doing like a revisionist history like he did with Inglorious, where like, yeah. you know, that movie ended with Hitler not being in power. And like, yeah. maybe this one ends with Sharon Tate not being murdered. And, and her, like, oh my God, like, remember the end of Death Proof? Like, it'll be like that where, where, where pregnant Sharon oh, Tate and her friend kick, the, yeah. kick the shit out of, <laughs> kick the shit out of uh, Charles Manson. Oh God, if that, yeah, happens, if that happens, I'm fucking done with this guy. Well, I'm done with him anyway but yeah emma stefanski saw it and loved it uh but i do see a lot of women or not just women complaining but a lot of people complaining that you know the movie doesn't it's barely sharon tate's barely in it or or or, or maggie maggie whatever or what's her name margot robbie's margot barely Robbie. in it well and it's like you know sharon what tate was i don't know what the, in... i don't know what the movie exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah she was barely in most like she was yeah, she was barely she was anything like not... until she was horribly murdered that's like she's she's the most famous for being murdered <laughs> I know. You know what's fucked up? I I took a couple scripts a few weeks ago just to for some extra money. Sure. And uh, one of them was a bio a biopic just called Tate, mm-hmm. and it was so completely useless. It is a it is a movie that like the framing device is the day of her murder. So it's like the day at the house, her and all her friends mm-hmm. having fun, mm-hmm. and then it just keeps flashing back to her that. like. It's horrible. And then it just ends with the murder. And then it's like, what was the point of this? Who is this for? Like, like there's no suspense because we know how it ends. And then like, it just is showing her career, which admittedly, like I just read that script even stretched really hard to make her achievements seem, you know, like important. It's horrible. It's It's horrible when someone obviously is murdered, especially she was uh, eight months pregnant. It's really sad. Don't want to like disrespect the dead, but she was, she was famous for being, she was famous for being attractive. She was very attractive. She couldn't act. She could barely speak English, I think. And, uh, and she married Roman Polanski, who was a hot director at the time, I guess still is probably a couple of years before he raped a child. Anyway, when people still liked him, uh, and it, it's incredibly unfortunate, but it's like, let's not be like delusional. Like she was a, a very great human being, I'm sure. But like, she wasn't like a star. She was just like a hot chick who was in movies. It would have been like if Elijah Dooku got, got fucking murdered. You're like, oh yeah, she's good and stuff, I guess. But you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, anyway, uh, I don't know how we got there. How did we get to Sharon Tate? Oh, because Tarantino movie. Yeah. Um, So the Tarantino movie, I feel like, I don't blame anyone who's mad at the movie for like not being about Sharon Tate or not being about the, Manson. Yeah. First of all, my point is shut the fuck up until you've seen the movie. I'm not, I'm not saying anything about the movie because I haven't seen it yet. Um, so I've read, but, if I say, to interrupt you, I have read, and this is why, maybe it was uh, Charles Bromesco's take on the movie. I didn't read, I didn't read really what it was about, but someone had written a thing about how this movie is, takes place in a seminal time in Hollywood where the cowboy Western, you know, strong strapping leading man Hollywood movies were dying and in came the new Hollywood, you know, action score, your Scorsese's, your, um, uh, 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 Coppola's and how just pretty much the film industry changed from that. And like, and it's about two guys who were riding high on the, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a cowboy and he's my stunt man. And then like a year or two later, like they can't get work and they're kind of like, 
you know, on the way out. And and Tarantino has an incredible fascination with old Hollywood, especially that moment, like the changing of the guard, which I get, like, I think is like incredibly interesting. And, you know, those murders kind of took place around that time, that seminal time, because let's not forget, uh, Roman Polanski had was riding high on uh, Rosemary's Baby, if I if I if I recall correctly, right? Which Sharon Tate famously did not star in. Yes, <laughs> because, but but it was just yeah. it was just huge because yeah. like I mean that you look at like a movie that pretty much marked like a watermark in the change of Hollywood from the old to the to the sixties and seventies. I mean, Rosemary's Baby is one of those movies where it's like, holy, no one saw that fucking movie coming, you know, and it was a huge hit, which you know people thought it was going didn't want to make it or thought it was going to flop or scare. The point is like that's an interesting story. So yeah, you can't go in being like, "Oh right, let's see what happens with this Charles Manson guy." By the way, we'll be talking about another Charles Manson related movie later that arguably does the same thing. Where it's like, we're not we're not gonna just dwell too much on the things that happened because there's a million docs and books about it. We're gonna dwell on the people who were around it, which to me is way more fascinating. Right on, I agree with that. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that movie in a minute. Let me wrap up this news. Um, couple of tv show announcements mm-hmm. james cameron uh says true lies is being turned into a tv show well, uh, gonna be, it's, being, it's gonna be the americans wasn't that kind of the same thing like the, a couple of sequels so. spies? And it's right. being developed by fucking mick g oh, oh no i know i know he told collider i'm writing that one which is very exciting because i'm so passionate about that story where you think you know your partner but you don't he added that the story has been largely rebooted Mm-hmm. Uh, and then an appearance from Schwarzenegger is always a possibility. Uh, but if it, if it exists, it would be on Disney+. Plus. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, the 1994 action film starred Schwarzenegger as a fearless globetrotting terrorist battling secret agent who has his life turned upside down when he discovers his wife made up and having an affair with a used car salesman uh, while terrorists smuggle nuclear warheads into the United States. That's a weird description of that movie, but that's okay. Very. Um, Sylvester Stallone also says he's trying to bring back Cobra as a potential TV series. Maybe. Uh, that movie's actually pretty good. He said that conceit was, what if Bruce Springsteen had a gun? That was rock and roll meets drama. That should have been another franchise. The character was so cool, and I blew it. My personal life got in the way. But we're trying to bring it back as a streaming TV series. Bring out the zombie squad. Yeah, okay. That's uh, what he said. I would watch yeah. the Cobra show. I think that'd be awesome. They can make it as ridiculous. Dude, if they can make it take place in the 80s and make it as ridiculous as the original Cobra, fuck yeah, I want to watch that. Have you seen Cobra? Uh, no. Oh, fucking actually. rules, dude. Everyone has to see Cobra. It is the most... It's funny that Sly says my personal life got in the way, so I couldn't do it. I think is the epitome of when Sly was like, "I'm the greatest movie star in the world. I'm the greatest movie star of all time. I'm I'm going through about a pound of cocaine a day. Every girl wants to have sex with me. Every guy wants to be with me. Or, excuse me. Every girl wants to have sex with me. Every guy wants to be me. And uh, uh, put a gun in my hand, and I'm going to kill every bad guy in the world. It's it's it is a masterpiece of '80s ridiculousness. Cobra fucking rules. If they can, if you watch that movie, like if they can make this a TV show, like just like this, it would be awesome. Cobra, Cobra, Cobra. Yeah. All right, uh, and one bit, last bit. Mm-hmm. I just want to mention because we, we we didn't talk about it yet. I, I don't think Robert Pattinson is likely going to be the new Batman. It's not a hundred percent confirmed, but he's on the short list. With okay. I think like Nicholas Bolt. Uh, people, uh, fucking. I'm going to say fucking basic ass rubes. Mm-hmm. Who know nothing about cinema mm-hmm. jumped on Twitter and were like, Robert Pattinson, Twilight bullshit, blah, blah, ignoring the past, like, you know, five to eight to 10 years, whatever it is, of Robert Pattinson's career and how he's been like the most interesting actor working. Well, today. hey, real quick, real quick, real quick. Let's go real quick. 
let's go through the let's go through the more modern Batmans. First of all, Michael Keaton. Yo, Beetlejuice, that guy's gonna be Batman? Won't work. Yeah. Who'd we get for that? George Clooney, the guy from ER, won't work. Val Kilner, the guy from uh, Weird Science, not gonna work. Uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah, uh, I guess Christian, right. Christian Bale, the, the, the guy from Swing Kids is going to be Batman. Every fucking Batman that we've had has been someone who had an already existing storied career of comedy and action. Yeah, you're right. It's like every one of those guys, you could you could easily, when they announce big point to like some rom-com or TV show or t- or, or teen uh, a comedy or whatever, be like, that guy can't be bad. It's what, what, this is so stupid. It's like the guy's. Uh, I agree. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Get, get real. And I, and I do want to just point out his career since the end of Twilight. Mm-hmm. It's been, I mean, he's worked with David, uh, uh, David Cronenberg on two movies, mm-hmm. Cosmopolis and Maps of the Stars, Maps, both of which are great. Maps of the Stars is fucking amazing, mm-hmm. I thought. He was in The Lost City of Z, with, which I didn't like, but people love, and he's admittedly amazing in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's incredible in Good Time, one of my favorite movies so of 2017. So good, movie's amazing. He's incredible in High Life, one of my favorite movies of 2018. Yep. He's shooting like a billion things right now. I just am like, I mean, I'm not... I'm not, I don't know. I, I just think it's unfair to, for people to, yeah. to shit on him. Let's not forget Chris, because, Kristen, Kristen Stewart, uh, right? That's the actress in those movies. She's the same same deal. Yeah, Another she's an amazing girl. Yeah. Like, okay. Hey, when they were teenagers and they were, you know, like, looked like movie stars, they got put in an incredibly successful franchise, and they were smart and they used all that, like, uh, you know, resources and, yeah. and fame to like to develop to into find great interesting projects. Yeah. yeah, and Kristen Stewart has been like I think the biggest one. She's done. She's worked with everybody, and she's. I think she's a good actress, but I could see people thinking she's one note. But I mean, she, some people are one note and just hit that one note really well, yeah. and that's fine. ACDC's um, one note. They've put out twenty albums, the same song. They're great. Yeah, it's a good point. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think her and Robert are both great actors, and people need to fucking shut up when they make fun of them. Uh, and uh, no other really news here. I uh, yeah, nothing else. Okay. Nothing else. Um, I don't have anything else, so we'll get to uh, what did you watch? Uh, ready? Yeah. Three, two. One. What, what did you watch? watch? Uh, here's something that I haven't watched because it's not out yet, but I watched the trailer for an HBO show called Los Espookies. Oh, I know some people that work on that show. I am vaguely familiar with two people. I've met two people who are involved in the show and can say Is that. Is it Anna? Met, yeah, Anna and Julio. I've met them both once or twice. They're very nice and yes, very funny. Yes, Anna's the best. We did our show last week. Julio Torres has been writing for SNL for, I think, two years now. Yes. And he's been a breakout writing star of that. I feel like every time a really good, funny sketch uh, goes viral from that show, sure enough, Julio Torres wrote it or helped write it. And also this show is starring and the vehicle for Mr. Fred Armisen. If you don't have a brain, Fred Armisen is responsible for is one part responsible for Portlandia, a very popular sketch comedy show. And he was also on uh, SNL for a while. And I feel like just, he's done a bunch of stuff with Tim and Eric, but Fred now. Fred, Fred Armisen. I mean, yeah. Documentary now. Oh yes. But... Documentary now. Yeah. So as we've seen from Portlandia and documentary now, Fred Armisen really has hit his stride as finding other very talented people. Some people who are either unknown or some people who aren't necessarily in comedy and working with them to make really great sketch comedy or comedy in general. Uh, and this time he has taken two Latino uh, persons, Anna Forbega and Julio Torres, and has made a comedy horror show called Los Espookies, which takes place in Mexico City. And what I think is very interesting about this show, it's going to be on HBO, it's in Spanish. Yes. So, so it is about, 
I think they're taking the horror, the f- more popular Mexican horror tropes and making a show about it. I think the whole thing was filmed in Mexico City. It's an it's a Spanish language show. I watched the trailer. It looks really fucking good. And I, I haven't watched the trailer, but uh, yeah. I've just been hearing so many things, so many great things about the show. And yeah. Anna is genuinely like one of the funniest people around. I think yeah. she worked on a. Uh, the Chris Gethard show for years, and mm-hmm. I really am a big fan of that. Yeah, Julio is really um, funny. So this yeah, is really good. Very funny. Yeah. yeah, good for good for them. Yes, good for them. Very exciting. Um, I watched one, two, three. Uh, okay, I can talk, I can talk about a couple of things before the main events. Um, so one of the coolest things that came out this week, which I want to call attention to, is the Lonely Island <laughs> surprise dropped a what they call a visual poem. Mm-hmm. It is essentially just a thirty minute. Uh, bit a 30 minute music video kind of like in the vein of Beyonce's uh, Lemonade just like a music experience yeah um, but it's very it's the most specific joke of all time it's just mm-hmm. it's Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire in Bash the late brothers. 80s the Bass Brothers like yep. just doing a like a visual rap album as if when, when they're both in the Oakland days. guys doing it in like the, yeah, the peak of their careers uh-huh. it is so dumb and so funny and like I can't get over how the Lonely Island is so good at making actually great pop music mm-hmm. and like infusing it with like the dumbest lyrics. Like I've been listening to those dumb songs ever since I watched it. It is a very funny experience. If that sounds like it's up your alley at all, definitely watch it. Um, what else? I watched book smart for a second time with Mandy cause it just came out. Uh, and book smart is very good. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's a instant classic of the last day of high school genre mm-hmm. all in one night type of movie. Yeah, it looks uh, really very good. good. It's really good. It, it, it made me, it got it made me like cry the first time. I was like, the second time is not going to get me, and it did. It's just a good <laughs> movie. I really liked it. Great, um, yeah. yeah, and I didn't talk. I wasn't here last week to talk about John Wick three, so I saw John Wick three, was which it? is, by the way, I just want, uh, very good. Just want to call out the box office sensation of that movie. It mm-hmm. uh, its opening weekend made more than the entire first movie's entire domestic run. Wow! It doubled the opening of the second movie. It is now in week two, and it's at. Uh, let me check the box office for today. Uh, John Wick made another twenty-five million in America. It's already at a hundred domestic. Uh, it's at one hundred seventy-five worldwide in week two, and this, these are movies that don't cost very much. And if you remember, the first one was independently financed and uh, made like Lionsgate picked it up, and none of none of the studios would make this movie. So I'm pretty sure it was independently produced and financed, and now it's got this, this huge franchise. Good. So. Time. Yeah, and good to, uh, to make it horror, I will say that Bloody Disgusting put a piece up that says, in just three movies, John Wick has killed more people than Jason and Michael combined. Uh, it is true. The body counts in these movies is just like com- completely over the top and insane. I've yet to um, see any of these movies. I think they're all worth your time. I think one is great, two mm-hmm. was okay, mm-hmm. and three is great again because okay. two is just as over the top as three. Like It's not like three went even crazier. Mm-hmm. It's just two like... Maybe it was a jarring jump from like like a pretty like re- not realistic but like set in the normal world movie to like a total like they like totally play up the like hitman hotel aspects and yeah. like all these like otherworldly stuff. Uh, the third one does that, but in a way that maybe just because we're used to it now, it's like we're not it's not jarring anymore. Uh, but I'd enjoy this one so much more than two. It's uh, it's the first forty five minutes are nonstop, just total totally insane beautifully choreographed action like if you love the raid and like the night comes for us it's the same type of violence but mostly with guns but there mm-hmm. is also sequences with knives in this one um it truly is the only american action movie franchise that rivals those uh foreign movies that we love so much oh nice 
And those guys, the guys from the Raider actually in the third one Hell and yeah. uh, do some great stuff. There's some truly mind blowing. Like if, uh, if you could watch the first one and the second one, so you could see the third one in theaters, I do recommend it. Like it really is just like a staggering movie to watch. It's really cool. Um, and I do remember walking out of the second one. I probably said this on the podcast. When I left the second movie, I was just like, yeah, that was okay, but it really sets up the third one. And I do feel like they delivered on that because the first 45 minutes are truly just like, you know, two seconds after the last movie ended and just like the repercussions of that. Oh, and nice. It's so just such good action, man. If you love watching people get murdered, like, wow. Great. Love it. Great franchise for you. Okay. And uh, everything else I watched is for the main event. So what else did you watch? Uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, I just want to uh, pop in and say that Game of Thrones is finally over. And yeah. I don't, have, I don't have anything to say about it, positive or negative, other than once the episode, last episode aired, I was like, I feel like I've been freed from a curse. It's like, yeah, totally, God, man. Get on that's with my I life. That's you, how know, Mandy, you know what? Actually, this is going to be funny. We we watched the final one, but we mm-hmm. were like at at the airport on that Sunday night. I was telling you about how we were just stuck there. Yeah. Uh, so we basically watched it. And then we were taking off right as like we were like the, we had 25 minutes after the show mm-hmm. and we both decided that we don't care. Like we're yeah. not finished. Like, we're done. I, I'm not quite sure what exactly happened. I just I just remember just being like I didn't watch it because I was excited to see how it ended. I watched it. But can I just just get this mental the mental space that show has taken up in my head for what six years, seven years at this point. It's just like I'm glad is- I gave it up for as long as I did. But yeah. I, I can't believe I watched this whole fucking very long drawn out season for no oh, reason. God damn. Yes. I'm so glad it's over. I didn't know this, but, um, the, uh, Kim Renfro, a colleague of mine and, uh, uh, probably has never listened to this podcast. She's currently writing a book about Game of Thrones. She writes about it. If, if you've ever read an article, a think piece that was well-written about Game of Thrones, chances are she wrote it. Um, yes. and or, or quoted in it. She's like a scholar about it. Like yeah. everyone knows. And, cool. uh, she was telling me, I didn't know this, but like apparently uh, George R. R. Martin had nothing to do with this last season. And she's like, did you notice it's like more action packed? You notice it's terrible? <laughs> yeah, but it's also just like like yeah. a lot of action, not a lot of story and a lot of like, you know, boom, boom, boom. Like it seems like wrapping up pretty fast. And looking back, I was like, yeah, it feels like this this last season was almost made by like. I mean, I would argue the writing has been bad for a while, but it was markedly different. It was markedly. Yeah, it was it was bad. It was anyway, bad. It's, it's, it's over. Bad Thank God. over. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that are good on HBO, uh, Chernobyl's excellent. Everyone should. Oh my God! Chernobyl. Yes, I'm caught up. Uh, there's only three, right? Because we yeah. tried to watch more, and there's no more. <laughs> and so I was like, Damn think? it! How good oh, is that show? Oh, it's fantastic, man. Yeah. It is. It is like devastating to watch because mm-hmm. like you're just watching people make horrible decisions that you know are gonna like fuck people over mm-hmm. and like literally kill people, mm-hmm. and it's just like. Bureaucracy of like getting the shit done is like, especially oh, being Russia, God. where it's like what the what the what where, they like, say every, goes. Yes, yes, yes where exactly because Russia, where it's like they're trying to contain something. They first of all, the people at the top are the ones being like, yeah, it's not a big deal, don't worry about it. And there's just like a couple good people who are like, hey, actually, this is bad. Like, like the scientists barely get a fucking word in because like mm-hmm. the politicians are too worried about the repercussions and trying to contain it, even though it's like they have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, you can tell the yeah. like the one guy, the, the first episode, the one guy who's like works at the nuclear power plant. He's like, "It's not possible for it to explode. You're mistaken." You know, that's just like the, every part of the reason that like dictatorships or whatever works so well is like guys like that, those middle management guys who are just like, "Shut up and do what you're told. We know better than you." And you're just thinking, like, "Man, this fucking asshole!" Like, like because it's just the thing of like, I forget which one it was. They're on a plane or something or a helicopter and. 
guy asks a question about something and he's and I forget exactly the thing, but at some point he's like, because if you don't give me the answer, that, that soldier next to you is going to throw you out of the plane. Yeah, he's asking how fucking, he's asking very basic, like, how do I know this? How do I know it's granite? How do I know what nu- How do I know what a nuclear reactor does? And he's just like, well, great, now that I know it, I don't need you anymore. It's just yeah. like, these, yeah, it's That's crazy. the kind of attitude there. And I guess I haven't looked up uh this details do you know if that area is like i'm sure it's not inhabitable like people can't stay there long term but i keep seeing like videos or pictures because uh, people are now like rediscovering that the chernobyl area that town does right next i mean to there's it. like a there's like a zone that's like zoned off isn't there yeah but like it's still there like the building is yeah, still yeah, yeah, there yeah. like yeah, there's photos like photo essays every every few years people go and take pictures and it's like fucking Disgusting. But when they do that, do they they have to wear like hazmat suits and shit? Oh right? yeah, I would imagine they're in they're in hazmat stuff. Yeah, but yeah, it's crazy to think like because you see that in episode two, end of episode two, towards the end, where they're like, "All right, everyone go." This is where like take what you can carry in your arms and leave. So it's like people's stuff, like apartments still have stuff in it, and and, and it hasn't. I mean, it's been ravaged a little bit by the weather, but not by animals because all the animals died. So it's not like there's really like coyotes or any or whatever indigenous animals to Russia would be like, or birds would like destroy things because they're they're all there's no insects, there's nothing. Everything fucking died. Everything that breathes air died. I guess. Yeah, uh, it was. It, it, I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't know who survived or what. But like in, in the episodes, it's really there's that big moment where like you know the guys. He says the guy tells the the guy in power for Gorbachev, the guy traveling with him. Uh, he tells him like you know we're all, yeah we're gonna die in like five years because of this, and he yeah. just kind of has to like take a seat and be like oh my god like what have, what have I done? How because wild that, that guy that... Hasn't, doesn't believe it or had, yeah. didn't believe it. And how wild is it? Like they're talking about like the way that the winds are blowing, like this toxic air, this, this, this radiation yeah. is going to like blow like all the way as far as like Germany and kill people there. It's so wild to think how much of a fucking insane disaster this was. Oh my God. And that one episode where they're trying to, and I mean, I guess this is a like historical fact, so I'm not ruining anything when they're trying to fly the helicopters over, like dump sand and boron in it. And like, they, they're like, you can't get too close. But that one helicopter does, and it just like it crashes because obviously the guys flying the helicopters just like got exposed to so much radiation that close and just probably just fucking passed out, and then the plane, the helicopter crashed. It's fucking yeah. nuts, man. And even though obviously like the world didn't end, it's cra- it's it's so tense to watch these guys be like, we may have be we may be responsible for killing everything on the planet. Like this might be the legit beginning of the end. So the show perfectly, you know. It, it 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 it's it's this great drama about like you know politicians and and, and they're they're like they're, they're they're hubris to be like we know everything and we're in control which obviously is something that everyone's dealing with now both here and like in in in, in China and and in, in Britain and then also like environmental terror of like the things we've done could essentially be the responsible for the death of everyone and like that stress that we all have it's just it's just ticking all the boxes of all the stressors that everyone's kind of feeling today and but putting it putting it perfectly in like a historical context so it isn't preachy you know like a person who is like global warming's bullshit can still watch the show and be like, what a bunch of idiots. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's so funny. Like, you know, even like the, like the, whatever political spectrum you can be on, you can watch the people who are doing this being like, Hey, whatever that guy says goes, and we're going to believe what they say. And you're like huh, Russians are such idiots. Like, is that right? Yeah. And I also like the show is obviously a time capsule or like a, it shows you how bad things were and are there, mm-hmm. but it also shows you how much worse it could have been. Like mm-hmm. those moments where it's like, yeah, we have to send someone in here to like drain this fucking place or or it's going to 
literally destroy everything in mm-hmm. in this region and like it could have been like end of the world like end of end of it could have been that bad and yeah. uh it's cool to see how like people came together to actually fix it eventually um Chernobyl, yeah, great great show great show um what else what's next um mm-hmm. you want me to do brightburn to do main events uh yeah if you want to start with brightburn go for it okay so i've um, not seen brightburn Okay, you haven't seen it. I won't spoil anything, mm-hmm. but I will just say, I mean, I I avoided the trailers and everything, so I don't know what's given away, but the premise is basically what if, you know, a Superman type thing happened and like a boy was sent to Earth and what if he wasn't good or what if he didn't grow up to be like a good dude who if Superman who sided was evil. What yeah. if he sided with like the people where he wherever he came from or something. So mm. The movie opens with uh, the, the couple. It's Elizabeth Banks and uh, that guy from The Office who's not Chris Pam's, Pratt. Pam's first boyfriend. Pam's first boyfriend. Don't remember his name. Sorry, guy. Um, it opens with them. Like It opens with like, a shot of like books about conception. and it, it, You immediately get the fact that they're trying to have kids but can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, lo and behold, like a meteor or whatever falls out of the sky. Yeah. And, it just, and it just cuts to 12 years later and they have a 12-year-old son. So it's implied that, you know, uh, they had this kid. They they took the, they took the opportunity. They seized the opportunity uh, to take this kid because they couldn't have one. Same as Superman. This, this thing falls out. There's a child in it, yeah. and the child is is uh, special. Yeah. So they take him. They don't tell anybody. Uh, and it, I guess it doesn't like for for reasons unknown because the script is very bad. Um, mm. uh, you know, he doesn't show any signs really until twelve, I guess. And then once he's twelve, all these horrible things starts happening, and Puberty. he starts. It's an allegory yeah. For puberty. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's a pretty like lazy allegory for puberty, I thought, and just not that interesting. Uh, I'm I'm clearly getting at the point that I wanted to love this movie so much, and I just didn't. It's not. It's just. It's like they wrote that logline that I said, which is so good, just Superman but evil, and that's all they did. It's like they didn't do anything else. They didn't even try to give the 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 kid a motivation. They didn't give the the parent. There's no characterization here to make any of this worth anybody's time. I just like, like the movie just shows up and it's like, okay, here's an evil kid. Uh, here's a couple scenarios in which he's evil. And then it wraps it up. Um, and I, I will, the reason it's not like a terrible movie to me and just like a pretty bad one and kind of okay is because there are some great kills. There are some like, uh, I guess not great to overputting it. There are some pretty good, clever uh, kill sequences. Nothing that's like amazing because I think, the budget of this movie was like $7 million or something. It's I should just, say that the scene in the diner when she gets glass in her eye, that's in the trailer. That was like oh, a, a trailer. Yeah. A scene that they shared kind of like as a, as like, as like a look how fucked up this movie is. Yeah. Clip. I don't know. I want to say trailer. Cause it was just that scene of her life. Being like who's there. And then the, the thing explodes in her face and then she pulls the glass out of her eye. Yeah. So that part is the most fucked up part. I'm pretty bummed out. I'm glad I didn't watch the trailer. Cause that's, I would be furious if that was the whole, that was all I got. Mm-hmm. Cause that, that's really it. I, th- I think there's another one. Let me see if I wrote it down. I, I, I would say, I would say for our listeners who are wondering, James Gunn of guardians of the galaxy and slither and, and, and brother wrote and it. The Dead. Well, no, he, he produced it. His other two brothers wrote it. Oh yeah. And so, I would also want to point out that this movie, I think probably went into production when James Gunn was originally fired from the guardians of the galaxy. Um, yeah. Franchise. So at first, it was presented, at least I felt that James Gunn was like, you know what, fuck this 
you know, Disney Marvel corporation bullshit. I'm going to make a really like gritty movie that I want to make indie, indie budget. I mean, you said it was made for what? 7 million. I mean, that's yeah. chump, that's chump change for James. Gunn at the, James Gunn at this point. I mean, he could like, he, he, the guy's, the guy's a zillionaire, right? So if, if yeah. it seemed like he was like, fine, you're going to fire me over some bullshit tweets. I'm going to make something fucking awesome that, you know, we can't make in the studio system. Me and my brothers are going to make this movie. And now it's, it's when I'm reading the reviews, it's maybe that is what happened, but I think now reading the reviews and, and people being generally being like cold on this movie, I think also that it was more about making a movie with his brothers than it was about making a good movie. Yeah, man. It's just, it's such a wasted opportunity. And then I say that I'm like, is it though? Because we all agree. I think that the Superman esque premise is good and like fun for a horror movie, Certainly. but then, but then once it starts doing, once it starts just becoming what the movie it's it's clearly going to be, like the yeah. it's this is, this is an evil kid movie, the poster moment. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't set itself apart from any of those other movies. Like that movie, The Prodigy from this year was better than this, and that's just an Whoa. evil kid movie. That's just an evil kid movie without a superpower, and it still works. Um, like I just, I'm trying to think of a reason for him to have superpowers, but there isn't one because the movie just. It's just okay. This kid's adolescent, and and he is. A, they try to make it look like you know he's a his his anger comes from like being just like a kid, I guess. But like, I none of it is developed enough. Mm. It's just it's, it's it sets up this Superman like power thing, um, and like I guess the idea is that the parents can't quite believe what's wrong with their kid, and like they can't really do anything about it because he's so powerful. But like that never comes into play. It's just like. It's like any other evil kid movie you've seen with or without powers. Just the ways in which he kills people are at one, like they just use powers. Like he drop he drops someone from a high height or he uses his uh, Cyclop eyes, which we just learned he has because he just has them all of a sudden. Um, well, the same with uh, me. It's like Superman powers. I get it. But- yeah, totally. I get the power stuff. But like the movie, like besides a couple moments of like good gore, it really is just like very boring and like it takes – you know, clearly from the poster and the trailer and the log line, you know where the movie's going. It's one of those movies that, like, why do you spend an hour getting there if, if we know Ooh, where it's good going? good point, yeah. It just sucks. Okay. It, it, it really, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, that kind of sucked. There's... So this, movie, this movie's more like powder. <laughs> I, I guess. That's a weird, <laughs> a, a weird comparison. There's no, uh, no one involved in this movie. Well, I guess... If you're according to Mike Cernovich, you would say there's a child rapist involved in this movie, <laughs> but, but there actually isn't. Um, I don't know. I, I wanted to say something nice about it, but there really is nothing to say. It's just. I mean, is it I, terrible? Is it like a void? Or you just no, it just it's not okay? terrible. It's just like it doesn't. It's just not good enough in any way. Like, is is it going to be this horror movie that delivers all these kills? Well, it has a couple, but they're not like. Besides that, no, the rest of the movie's boring. Oh, is this movie about like? Uh, uh, parental responsibility and like what you do, like we talk about Kevin type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not really either. It just it's, it reminded mm-hmm. me of this year's uh, Pet Cemetery remake, and that mm-hmm. like it just is undercooked in every way. And it's just mm-hmm. like I I wanted so much more from this movie. Uh, uh, his his creepy obs- like there's something I wanted more from too. Like uh, 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 he has he he's following around this like young girl from his class. Like that's kind of the first girl he torments and. The fr- he breaks her hand, which is how like they find out he's bad. Oh, the Christ. Yeah. And like, there's great stuff there with like toxic masculinity and like how kids are kind of not really told about how it's creepy that they're stalking women or something. And like, that's a great idea. And then like, it doesn't, again, it doesn't really do anything with that. It just kind of just le- evil kid movie stuff. It just, it, every, every opportunity is just taking the easy way out. Like there's no, 
there's no reason to make this movie exciting. Um, I do like that it ends on a dark note. I'll say that and clearly sets itself up for some sequels that could happen because it was so cheap and it probably is doing okay. Um, do you think he's going to develop like his whole almost like anti-Marvel universe? Like the next movie will be about like a kid who can breathe and g- swim underwater, but he I likes don't, to kill fish. Well, maybe I don't <laughs> I'm know. I'm going to kill I, every fish in the ocean. <laughs> Anti-Marvel I mean, that, that gets at the interesting point of like, is this movie a James Gunn reaction to James, to, to Zack Snyder's Superman movie, which is like admittedly dark and stuff. Like maybe. I truly don't, I, I just don't know. I, 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 I think it really is just a case of, dude was out of work for a second he puts put a project together and then he found work again quickly and this was kind of putting you know on his on the back burner for him and i uh, i don't think james got very much to do with it and i'm sure his brothers i mean the script is bad i don't i don't tell you like uh fun on the surface but just bad uh, the more i talk about it i'm just That's like annoyed with it All right, so it's not really anyone's time Brightburn, i'm gonna skip or i'm gonna wait till it's streaming and then watch it yeah, and then report just that. okay just okay. And let's talk okay. about Charlie Says Now, because that's another movie that I found quite disappointing. Oh, really? I, yeah. I mean, not that I was expecting super much from it, but I, I had read that it was intriguing, and I I found it mostly very boring. Mm. And another thing where I was like, who is this for? Because mm. it just, I don't know. It You talked to me about it, because I've been talking for too long. Okay. Well, uh, so Charlie Says is... Um matt smith starring uh charles manson-esque movie that centers around the three of his uh family members three of his girls uh lulu aka leslie van houten patricia krenwinkel and susan atkins i'm I'm sure i at least hope that everyone listening has taken time to listen to the you must remember this 10 or 12 episode uh arc on the manson murders it came out a couple years ago i listened to it recently it is excellent it's incredibly detailed so maybe i have a little bit of like a maybe i knew more about what was going on so i wasn't i don't know if people were lost or didn't didn't really think that like it gave enough information but anyway the story centers around those three women who are now in jail uh, one is dead two are still in jail uh who were absolutely obsessed with charles manson and did some of the murders including killing uh, Sharon Tate, she talked about earlier. And it is more of a movie about them coming to the realization of potentially the horrors and the bad things that they did. Um, you, It's told in a lot of flashbacks, uh, specifically how the main uh, character, uh, Leslie Van Houten, played by Hannah Murray, who is the... If you watch Game of Thrones, she's the one that has the kid and what's his name? The, the dopey guy helps her escape, Mary Heron. So I don't know. I don't know any characters' names. Um, how she ended up ending up on Spawn Ranch, falling in with... What about Lulu? Yeah, yeah, Lulu. Uh, how she ended up falling in with the Charles Manson family and eventually like kind of shows like the metamorphosis for it being like this beautiful hippie commune to a crazy guy who is directing these people to go and kill and murder people all the way to her being in jail. Uh, they also are visited by a woman who is a professor of women's studies who just takes an interest in coming by and talking to them. And it's called Charlie Says pretty much because every time these girls talk, they say something really crazy and it ends with being like, oh, Charlie says that there's going to be a race war. And we did this and we did that because Charlie says that when the race war happens, we're going to hide and you know we'll come up and emerge and, and we'll have the whole planet because all the white people will be dead. And Charlie says this and Charlie says that. And Charlie says that you know we're lesser than him because he's so special. And, and just like they pretty much say Charlie Says every time and yeah you see like how they Which how- i was like great title for the movie and like uh it's a it's a cool i just was annoyed by it which i know mm-hmm. is the point but and like they're clearly it's frustrating, it's yeah. frustrating. yeah um, I, I thought that matt smith 
who was two doctors ago, I believe, right? It's, yeah. I th- uh, he did an excellent job as Charles Manson. Like an excellent job as that guy, which is a hard character to play for obvious reasons. Uh, I, I, I was enthralled with his portrayal. This movie, it, I guess going into this movie, everyone who's going to see it is going to know that it's not about the Manson murders. It's not about the Manson trial. It's not a, you're going to see very little violence. It's mostly on the ranch and Charlie Manson's manipulation of everyone. You get an inside look of like how these types of like cult things work where it's a lot of like Leslie Van Houten is already a very troubled person. He starts off by being very like telling what you want to hear and giving them drugs and you're so beautiful and you're actually great. And it's your parents fault that you're so unhappy and this and that. And you, but you see also at the same time, there'll be things like dinner They're sitting down to dinner and it's like, okay, all the women have to go and cook because the men don't cook or do anything because they're busy doing something else. And then when they sit down to eat, it's like, oh, like uh, the, the men eat first. And you just see like everyone's just like, but they're more like, oh, the men eat first. And right. it's never like really questioned why. And then you kind of get this feeling of like cult like thinking of like, we just do this thing because this is how it is. And somewhere around like the hour mark, you see Charles Manson now just being vicious and hitting people and threatening to kill people and acting like more and more erratic. And everyone's just like, totally like just locked into this like yeah this is like it's it's okay it's good like this is how we should act because of this and that like you know um famously charles manson part of the reason that all this shit happened in general is that he wanted to be a music he wanted to be a, a rock star he thinks that his destination yeah, i love the, him noodling around on his guitar playing garbage music the whole movie yeah, I didn't i'm certain those are the songs like you can find yeah. some of his recordings yeah. they're, they're idiotic it's like if any person listening who's never picked up a guitar if i showed you three power chords you could play a show you could play a song comparable to anything charles manson ever wrote it's just the guy's a fucking idiot right uh and then but they show the whole thing of like you know him being like, I'm going to be this big rock star. Well, and, and then the yeah. record executive comes and then like, it doesn't go well. And then he yeah. just like flips that's out. That's what I learned from the, I think it was, you, you, you must remember this, yeah. which is that if, if Charles Manson had a lick of talent or was any good at any of the things he wanted to do, yeah. he would have been successful because he had all the opportunities presented to himself. He had the beach boys there. He had the record executives there. Yeah. Dennis was Wilson terrible. there. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess it's terrible. It's I, just guess, so funny. I guess for me, it's hard to say if this movie is good or not because it's not, I, 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 I know, I like, I know a good amount about what happened in that. So when I'm watching, I'm like, Oh, here's the part where he blows the, uh, the, uh, the record executive thing, you know? And, Oh, and now he's really going to get, so I know, but I'm, I kept thinking like, does anyone who didn't know this know the importance of the Dennis Wilson character who's in it for like three scenes? I think like that's like like Dennis Wilson's involvement with Charles Manson is pretty much like the catalyst for everything. No diss to Dennis Wilson. He was just being nice. And it's it's a yet another example of Charles Manson being able to charismatically take advantage of incredibly nice, generous people. And Dennis Wilson being in the Beach Boys, that's kind of like how Charles Manson was able to even go remotely near the music industry. Uh, but yeah, Dennis Wilson, whoever plays him, is in it for like a couple minutes, you know, so. Right. I think what this movie at least should be considered and viewed is I, I felt like it leaned a little bit more towards what uh, Joel Berlinger did with the, the Ted Bundy. Movie. I think it wants to. I don't think it succeeds, though, because my my issue, I think, first of all, I see people praising Hannah Murray's performance as Van Houten. I thought she was terrible. I thought yeah. she was genuinely bad. I, the, I like, other two, I, the other two were way better. Yeah, I, I like I like paused a couple moments and like wrote down lines that I thought were said weird because I was like, I just like. I'm watching an actor read lines is like how I felt. And I very rarely feel that way when I'm watching Mm -hmm. a movie that I, especially when people said Hannah Murray is so good in this. I'm like, no, she's not. And like that part of it is the bad is, is I think the, the character though, because like, what is the movie trying to say about Van Houten? Like that's 
that's my problem with it because like take it take it all in and then how it ends and then like what did you what did you get from this movie are you like, meant to be, are you meant to be, are you meant to be yeah you're meant to be sympathetic of these three women who were you know i don't want to say bamboozled but like duped into thinking that this guy i mean i mean even though you seem to use drugs a little bit i mean it really is like the the um the thing that we listened to that you must remember this really goes into detail of like all the people, but especially these three women come from incredibly abusive and awful backgrounds and yeah. then the show up at Charlie's Manson's doorstep. And then he pretty much fed everyone acid nonstop. I mean, like it really downplays the fact that like these, 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 these three women and most of the people in the, who, who stuck with him, like let's not, let's not, let's not uh, discredit how, horrible acid could be for rewiring oh, your dude, brain. I know. And I know. Also, like, like, Oh yeah. That acid's a huge part of all that stuff. My point is like, but are you uh, meant to feel sympathetic I, towards these three, because let's not forget yeah, they, they sure. did the, they did the murders. Like they made it down to like, Charlie's I, bequest, but yes. like he, like they're the ones, I think it's uh Patricia Krenwinkle is the one who actually, or maybe it was Leslie Van Houten. One of those two are the ones who stabbed a pregnant. Right. Uh, this movie, by the way, makes death. yeah. the movie makes it seem like, uh, Van Houten only did it after she was already dead, which I think historically is just not true. Um, and okay, uh, like, is that any better to be like, yeah. no, 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 she was already dead when I stabbed her. Yeah, oh, no, the, like, like, I just still pretty bad. I think I have a problem with the movie's positioning of of, of Van Houten, but also, hmm. I just, I just, I feel like the movie's contradictory in that character too, because like, it, the character as we see, like under like she registers like uh the like the contradictions between charlie manson's uh like words and, and the the his abuse of women kind of yeah. the movie gets at that a little bit uh and uh i guess like that bit at the end with she stabs the they, they show the stabbing like i guess mm-hmm. that was supposed to show like how her mind and body were like in different places at the time because like her bot like you know she looked horrified when she did it but like she fucking did it so like the movie, yeah. it's just, I know it's a complicated topic, mm-hmm. but like, I just don't think the movie dealt with it in a way that like, I came away thinking anything profound. Like I was just like, yeah, okay. I like, you gave me a, I don't, I don't know if I feel like maybe I wanted to go either, either more one way or the other, rather than just like down the middle and kind of be like, well, she was, she was fucked up, but she knew she was fucked up. But it, how long did it take her to realize she was fucked up? And mm-hmm. is this a real timeline we're watching? Like, I just... I just couldn't get over like the fact that the movie, I don't know what the movie wanted from me. I just don't know. I have no idea what the movie wanted from me or the audience ever. Yeah. There's, there's a really sad part at the end of the movie where they, where they kind of wrap up like what happened to the three of them. Cause they're all stayed in jail. One has passed away. I, I forget which one has died. Maybe Susan Atkins is, de- is dead. I forget. But the other one, either Susan or Patricia has, there's like a thing like sometime in the eighties, it's a quote that she said, like sometimes the eighties when she finally renounced, everything you know because they pretty much were sticking by charles manson for for a while like no 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 like they, they stuck to their guns about all the shit that he had brainwashed them for 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 a while and but anyway i think it was patricia krenwinkel when she finally admitted to like renouncing everything with the manson family and what she did and just admitting like oh my god this is a horrible mistake what i did the quote at the end that they have is something about like i'm really sorry for the pain i caused i just you know i didn't you know i'm really sorry for the victims i understand now the full weight of the things i've done and i'm horribly sorry for what happened and then she just like ends with being like you know all this stuff that did with charles manson again i'm paraphrasing like all this was done i was manipulated by a man and this all happened because in essence all i wanted was to be loved and it really is like a striking thing and that's kind of like the conceit of not only this movie but like 
these movies that we're watching where it's like these incredibly horrible charismatic people like are are just like they, they find desperate in this case women and they just make them feel loved and then they can manipulate them into doing horrible things all for that. And it's just such a, like a bummer to be like, yeah, that's what it's all about. That's, I mean, when you he, when you see people fighting and killing over the words of somebody else at the bottom line, it's like, I'm doing this because this person makes me feel loved. I will kill these people because this person loves me. I will vote for this maniac because he loves me. I will do these God awful things. I will stand by an obvious murderer because quote, he loves me. And it's just like, ugh, like, it's just such a bummer. I guess when it ended, I was like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what, that's what it just, that, that to me sums it up. Like the, the, the chaos and the, and, and, and the craziness and just, it's just a person who just is misplaced just think, the feelings of love. Sure. And I think this movie just wanted to like have a conversation about how, how we talk about people that are guilty and on, you know, mm. and if like, can they change or can they not? Like what, 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 at what, at what point, like at what point they they the responsibility? Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. And like, you can like, for them, it's such a specific thing because like they were truly on like drugged up and not themselves, but like they be, and then those, but like the movie shows those, they stayed loyal to him well after they were in jail. Like they were still saying, Charlie says, mm-hmm. and like abiding by his doctrine for, uh, it appeared to be years. And I'm sure that's true. Um, I just, I wanted the movie to be better. I just don't think the movie did a good job of doing whatever it wanted to do. And I yeah. do think, I mean, I thought that performance was terrible. She, her parents on the phone and she says, you know, I'll never see you again. You forget uh, about me. Forget I, I that you love stop, me. I need you to stop loving me. Like the way she read that was so flat. And I see, I, I saw, I'm, I read a review that, that praised that line. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, am I fucking high? Like what's happening? I just don't understand how that's a good performance. She was I'm not so, as, so. I'm not as critical as you. I would say this movie's fine. If you if it, once it's streaming, I would say check it out. I I, I, I just thought there's, there's stuff to like in it, but that's anytime just, it's not on Spawn Ranch, the movie's boring. Uh, and uh, I just I just don't know who it's for or what it's trying to say that like I didn't already know. Okay. I just uh, the I just didn't think the characters were presented in a way that. The, I don't know. The characters and the narrative didn't jibe. Something's wrong, man. I just didn't. I just didn't find it compelling in any any real way. I don't okay. know. Well, thankfully, there was a third movie we're talking about today because uh, this one delivered everything I wanted. I didn't even know what I wanted from it because I hadn't seen a trailer or nothing. Mm-hmm. I had just heard there was this movie coming to Netflix. It premiered at a. I think it was Venice. It premiered at some music, uh, some film festival that it totally shouldn't have, and uh, and got a lot of buzz. And people said it was nuts. And I've just been waiting for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's out. It is on Netflix. It stars Allison Williams uh, of Get Out fame and uh, mm-hmm. Girls. And there's another lead whose name I don't remember at the moment. Logan Browning is her Logan name. Logan Browning, who I know because she's the lead in Dear White People on Netflix. And she's really That's good. what she's from. Yeah, I, I couldn't, like, I couldn't figure it out this? for the longest time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's those two people. And then Steven Weber plays this uh, this. Uh, <laughs> uh what do you call him is this fun no yeah teacher um, a music teacher anyway yeah. so the plot of this movie is basically it's about like two music prodigies mm-hmm. uh uh i got it's it's okay i don't want to let's go ahead and say get this out of Mild the way spoilers uh, okay, if you want to. I was going to say, I don't want to spoil anything because well, it's I... Hard to because, it's because hard to because... Like, you can't talk about it without spoiling it. So, okay, I guess mild spoilers. Uh, without yeah. spoiling it, I'll try to give a quick no spoiler talk. 
Um, it's a crazy movie that there's a twist every 40 minutes or so yeah, that like changes, changes what comes before it in a big way. It, the movie even does like a, we're going to pause and rewind it for you and show you what happened. It's yeah. like in, in, in any other movie, I would have fucking hated that. But in this mm-hmm. movie, it totally works. And I'm like, yes, it's rules. Um, but yeah, so this movie is about two uh, music prodigies. One of them appear, you learn that one of these music prodigies played by Allison Williams left the school to go take care of her sick mother. Mm-hmm. And in that time... I want to point it, out this movie opens with the shot of her dead mother's face like staring at us. Oh, it's yeah. Like, yeah. It's like the right. opening shot. It's like, oof, what, kind of, what are we in for here? God, I'm going to watch this movie again tonight with Mandy because it really is great. Um, so yeah, it opens with uh, that. And that, that's how you meet Charlotte. And we learn that she, you know, is she's there taking care of her mom. But mm-hmm. she once was this... You, you soon learn she was once this like musical prodigy. I think she plays the cello. Uh, yes, and then, they're cellists. They're but cellists. she left. She left this prestigious school to take care of her mother. And in the ten years, even though she has, she alludes to playing the cello every once in a while. She pretty much disappeared. And now that her mother has died, she kind of reconnects with that world and her teachers. And lo and behold, there is a new celloist prodigy, and it has this feeling of almost like the beginning of like, say, like a black swan or a single white female kind of like coming in to be like. Like, what are her intentions? Why is she reconnecting with with this world? Because I, I like I don't know anything about the the world of of celloing, um, but it's also kind of feel like is Allison Williams has she missed out on opportunities? She passed her prime because when she shows up, everyone's like, "You were the greatest celloist we ever had," and wow, we heard you had to go for your mother, and so great to have you back. But also the attitudes like, and now we have this other one played by Logan, who's who's now the the best, and isn't she great? And, and this kind of like. You know, uh, Allison Williams kind of almost having this like, you, you you don't know what her motives are really. Yeah, like, she, you don't know at all because at first I was like, oh, she genuinely, she's of course she's a little uh, annoyed that this woman is doing so well and she's not anymore. But like, because Allison Williams literally yeah. gave up like her, the only thing in her life, which was playing the cello, to care of her sick mother, and now it's like. Did she miss out on her life? Her life, you know. Like, yes. Does this other does this person have the life that she feels she deserves? Okay, and then without getting into spoiler territory, again, mm-hmm. I will say, um, and then things <laughs> <laughs> things get um, wild. <laughs> things get wild. I guess. I guess I would say without spoiling, like the big twist is that those two become more involved with each other, mm-hmm. and then the movie becomes the weirdest and like most bizarre, not what you're expecting, like revenge movie. They change it up a couple of times. I will say at least twice while watching the movie, I, I, I said out loud, I'm like, wait, what kind of movie is this? Yeah, totally. Because there's like a couple parts where I'm like, what? I, I didn't watch the trailer or anything. I just knew what I kind of read from headlines. I'm like, oh, this is probably going to be like some sort of, you know, competition thriller or, you know, maybe like kind of like, like a like, dark whiplash or something. Yeah. Yeah. Good, yeah. That's a good way of putting it, but not really. No, no, I, I, it goes full crazy horror movie for sure it felt um, a little bit like uh like a movie like martyrs not as horrible or disturbing as martyrs but this idea of like what it's billed as and what you go in thinking you're going to see remember like martyrs was this thing like one day this girl shows up to this guy's house and kills everyone and we're not quite sure why but like like yeah. that right like they switch they, they switch yeah. the style up on that like 20 minutes into it this is the same thing like it's presented like i would she say comes back yeah. But we don't know why. But like, it's pretty soon you learn there's like way more fucked up shit. And they, they switch it up at least. It goes, it goes. It's below very the subversive. Surface. I guess would be the word I would use to describe it. And like the deeper they go into like the backstory of what's really happening and their past, it's like it gets way crazier than you could have 
really thought it was going to go. And like, <laughs> that, dude, I'm not going to say anything, but like that last part of the, like when they're, yeah. when they're playing the cello and what's his face is sitting there. I'm like, I know. really fucked up. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Uh, so to me, my best description of this movie is that it's like an American version of like a prestige Korean art film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like, it does play it like has the same, Yeah. It has the same like batshit tone as like those K horror movies, but mm-hmm. like, what's treated as like, I don't know, like um, this version treats it as like trash, if that makes sense. And like mm-hmm. those movies treated as high art and this movie treats it as trash, but it's the same type of like insane twisty narrative. That's like, mm-hmm. just like, yeah. Engaging you in a world only to totally upend it shortly after that. Um, yeah. It's just this like, it's the movie. It's a movie strictly made of twists and turns. Um, it's fucking completely deranged and it like mm-hmm. resets its expectations in terms of derangement every few minutes uh, at, 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 at a certain point. And I would say it's a little too like once it gets to the end and you're like seeing what it's actually coming to be about. Mm-hmm. And I'd say it's a little muddled thematically. Like it's a little, a little, it's a little much the, what it gets at or like the implications of it. Uh, and it's a little, like it's an, like, just enough for me to like not take it too seriously and then just enjoy it as like a goofy dumb horror movie. It's totally but, like, but like, I think it does want to have like this message and like kind of have like a, like a rape revenge vibe going on or something. You know? Yeah, definitely a revenge vibe in, in that essence. I think that would have really, it, it, so you keep going back to the Korean prestige horror, which yeah, yeah th- those movies always have sort of like some sort of class warfare underneath it. And this, Sort of does have that too. I, th- I think that when it gets to the heart of what's really going on, it's this, you know, um, you have a lot of scenes of main characters like pretty much like declaring or cutting back to things. And it it, it, it points to like the, this movie showing like the underbelly of this like world of, of what it takes to be like the greatest, uh, the most, per- it's called the perfection. So be the, be the most perfect cello player, a young girls who do this thing to become like the most perfect cello player and what that really does and how twisted their lives become in the pursuit of quote perfection. Um, you know, uses yeah. that as a broader, broader sense of like this whole idea of like perfection and, and, and because what's, because what's the, what's the point of being the most perfect, uh, uh, you know, celloists and, or, you know, like the, the people who orchestrate that, the people who are like, you know, the schools and, and, and the music critics and the, and the, and the opera house owners, all, all these people who, who are de- quote demanding perfection, you know, and the people who try to give it to them and, and what happens to their lives doing that. It really just makes you take a step back and be like, what is the point of any of this? You know, who decides what's perfect and what is the point of like torturing yourself to make a sp- very specific, perfect piece of whatever? I mean, who's to say what's perfect or what's the best anyway? And the things that, uh, you know, parents and children will put themselves through this like elusive quest to be like, quote, the greatest and and really like what, yeah. like who's I to did- say what that is, you know, because because personally when I'm watching it, like I think the cello is fucking boring and I don't know what like the music they're playing, if that is qu- quote the best a celloist can sound, but I'm like, that sounds like, that sounds fucking shit to me, dude. I hear that shit in elevators. Like I don't think any of this stuff is any good. And, and what you get to backstories of what parents do to try and push their children to be the best and what the school is doing to the kids in order to make them the best. You're kind of like, this sucks, man. Like I wouldn't like this stuff is garbage, but it's not about that. It's about like this quest for perfection you know, and it meditates a little bit about like all of this potential horror or bad things that happen in the quest for that. Like, why are we doing this at all with anything? Which I think is they don't they don't harp on that too much, but I think it really makes you think like, why? Like, why? 
just in general, like, you know, cultural status to be like the best or the most perfect or the, or, or the, the richest or whatever. It's like the things people put themselves through for what, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a, and yeah, I think it also could be a critique of like parents who do that to their kids who don't want to mm-hmm. do it or like, yeah. It's or a critique of like the world. art world. I mean, yeah, even though we totally. didn't like velvet bubs, buzzsaw, the whole thing was like, you know, yeah. this whole all for industry, what? Yeah. this whole industry that it ends up being like a horror movie about the greatest art, the greatest artists, the greatest stuff and what the, the horrible things people do to each other to be like, have the best art. And at the end of it, you're like, I right, well, who's to say, I think it looks stupid. The end, I think cello music is boring. So none of this seems, if I had a kid and they're playing the cello and they had to do all this stuff to be number one, I'd be like, Oh, fuck all that. You know, like just, it's fine. Yeah. Who cares? The cello is stupid, but that's just me personally. Uh, but it really, it really makes you like, think like about like, the classic system of like entertainers and entertainees, you know, that the difference between the two and how the entertainees can pretty much hold all the cards and can really ruin people's lives with, with under the guise of quote perfection. But then right. again, other twists from this movie, which we won't give away, you learn that maybe the people who say like, Oh, well, we're all about being the best and being perfect and having like the most greatest musicians. It's like, you see what they're really up to with all this. And it's more like their ego trip or their um, nefarious reasons are become center stage. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, it wasn't about making the best music. It was about what they were doing to those. Yeah. All I could think about while watching it was like, um, you know, like the Larry Weber's dick. Yeah. 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 No, like, like Larry Nassar, like that, that U S gymnastics coach, like just like these things happen. Like there are, this is the thing that happens all the time. yeah. Yeah. Like in academic, in the academic world, in this this movie is about the music world, but in the academic mm-hmm. world, in like any world, any sports world, there's like the the people that you trust the most to help your kid do the thing they want to do is often mm-hmm. they're like check their check their fucking motivations because maybe they're wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I find it very interesting that we watch this movie the same week that we watch Charlie Says. Yeah. Because even though it is it isn't really like a cult leader, it kind of plays in this idea of like, well, this person here is saying in order to do and to be the best and to here again, be loved. You need to do these things. And eventually how they can manipulate, you know, first it starts with like practice 12 hours a day, not 14 hours a day. And I'm going to hit your hands because you did this wrong. And I'm going to make you do these really intense things. And that whole time is like, I got to be the best. If I'm the best, I'm loved. I want to be loved. So I want to be the best. I want my parents to love me. I want the world to love me. I have to be the best. So I have to do these really awful, difficult things because this is what it takes to be the best. And then it gets really fucking weird and in some ways really violent. And just, again, it's that cult leader sort of thing of like, if you want to be loved you need to do these horrible things i'm telling you to do and we watching it are, are horrified by like obviously that is not true and you see it but play also out this way. totally totally uh now let's get the terror now let's get the spoiler territory because i want to talk about the, i want to talk about the movie okay sorry uh, so spoiling it so go so watch it is, and then come back this is full spoilers now so it's okay. on netflix you should have seen it by now so the first the first 30 minutes i guess so like you you see like they, there's a courtship basically allison williams kind of it seems like they're falling for each other like there's they're having mm-hmm. a fling they're hooking up it seems really great uh they're on a uh, they travel they're traveling together they're on a they're traveling together yeah they're, on, they're traveling together they're on a they're on a bus to in the middle of nowhere in china i believe they start in yeah they start in shanghai and then they decide that the, the, the one girl's like i'm going on a i'm going on like a kind of off the grid trip to see like more rural area why don't you come with me which means you know pretty much like no english speakers probably not very good food and uh, also just like you know, pretty rough accommodations for rural China. Right. So they're on this bus trip and on this bus trip, uh homegirl who we think is just hung over to start because they got really drunk the night before. Um, right. uh, uh, the not Alice Williams character 
is mm-hmm. all fucked up from being drunk allegedly and is just like sick and it gets worse and worse and then it gets to a point where she pukes on the window and it's fucking there's maggots in her puke if it will say earlier like when they were hanging out they saw some other guy who was really sick yeah they, they set this up really nicely they set it up nicely where you see this guy and they go oh i hope that wasn't the thing from this town and they go yeah. what thing from what town like oh there's, there's a virus this, yeah. going around yeah and of course they, they make a point to say it so when i first saw that i'm like wait, what kind of movie is this? I thought this was going to be like a revenge movie, but it turns out to be like, it's going to be like a crazy contagion zombie virus contagion movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So that, so that in the back, knowing that happened when we see her sick, getting really, really sick and not getting better. It's like, Oh my God, she's got this parasite. This is fucking Mm -hmm. crazy. And then she literally pukes up maggots. She literally her at one point, her arm has bugs all over it. Yeah, uh, so you see, like, they get kicked off the bus in the middle of nowhere, and the girl's just, like, fucking freaking out. And then she holds up her arm, and you see all these, like, bugs underneath the flesh or whatever, and they start breaking out. And now her, her arms, like, bust open, like, almost like this, like, bug hive. And they're all over the place and ripping apart, and she's freaking out. And Alyssa Williams, coincidentally, has a butcher's knife. She's that, like, you to cut up your that is the moment when the movie changed for me, uh, for everybody. Yep. But, like, for me, yeah, like, it cuts huh. to it cuts to Allison Williams holding a machete. Like, in a, like the next shot is her, like, standing normal, and the next shot you is her holding a machete. Hand. Why don't you cut off your hand? And then it's like, hmm. oh, my God, what? Huh? And then the, the movie does the, like, and it, like, rewinds. And mm-hmm. then it goes back. And I'm pretty sure that's when it shows you that um, – Allison Williams was drugging her yes. and giving her the same meds that she was giving her mother, like these really powerful sedatives or whatever, or like that hallucinogen, hallucinogenic, yeah. especially if you mix it with alcohol. And all the, st- all the prompts of the bugs was coming from Allison Williams being like, oh my God, what's on your skin? Oh my God, there's maggots in your puke. And then you yes. see so her puke from, play the whole from thing our like, point of view yes. and, there's, and there's, no, there's no bugs in it. It was just like messing with her to all this whole ruse just to get her to cut up her so, hand, thus yeah. ending her cello career. Yes. So A, brilliant use of like, it's a horror movie, but it's not. Like they're gonna mm-hmm. like, they use like, they actually show us the bugs and treat it like a horror movie. And it's like, oh my God, this is disgusting. So we're, we're on board with it being this disgusting horror movie. But then mm-hmm. it, it does that twist. And then it's like, oh, so it's a horror movie, but for a different reason. Like this is like a horror movie. Like be- manipulation. A, a manipulation, movie. like revenge thing. And but that's that's the uh, first twist. I know. And the we, second one, yeah. we, we go and the girl is at the school and she's telling, you know, Steven Weber and the people who trained her, like, this girl did this. She manipulated me. We got to find her. You know, we got to get back on her for this. What are we going to do about it? And they're like, yeah, real sorry about that. But also you got to get the fuck out of here. Like this is a cello conservatory. We're not a, we're not a, a youth hostel or whatever. Like they just kick her out. Like it's like, she's been up like a day. She's like, we well, fucking have lived here all my life or whatever. Like there's like, yeah, well you can't play cello anymore. So go, which is pretty harsh. And then you see her catch up with Allison Williams. They fight cut to, she's brought Allison Williams back to that cello conservatory to kind of like exact revenge. And then we are learning that also part of this cello, whatever conservatory the best in the world is, they've been systematically sexually abusing these girls since they were kids along with like, again, that goes to the cult thing of being like, you want to be the best. So we're just going to like break you down and, and you'll think you know, this is iso- normal. Yeah. Isolate you from the world, make you play cello nonstop. Nothing is good enough, constantly critiquing you and making you feel terrible. And, you know, nothing is good enough. You're, you're shit. You're not any good. And then your punishment is having to, you know, basically be systematically raped by people like Steven Weber uh, of Wings. And uh, then you think like, oh, my God, they brought her back to kind of finish the job. Then the next twist is that 
Allison Williams and the lead, uh, uh, Logan, uh, her last name, I'll just say Allison and Logan, I know the characters' names, actually have made up and have realized that Al- the whole reason that Allison Williams did that wasn't revenge. It was to save her because she knows, because by the way, Allison Williams didn't have to leave. I mean, she did kind of have to leave for the for see her mother, but it was more like she ran away from the cello conservatory because they're abusing her so bad, yet she didn't say anything about it because she felt all this horrible, like, guilt and frustration right she was a kid and it's horrible so then it really becomes then it flips yet another time to them getting in there to actually it's revenge where they're both now working together to stop uh those two people who run their conservatory from abusing more women uh celloists and kind of exact so then it becomes a revenge again like a revenge revenge movie but what's good about it it, it, it like at two different moments, the the hand cutting thing, and then this other moment where they bring when Logan Browning brings Alice Williams back, is you think like, oh, that's what the character thinks, but it's like rewind again. No, actually, this was calculated to get her back in there to exact because obviously Stephen Weber and and the the, the Paloma character, I forget her name, yeah, uh, or, I don't know. Her so, yeah. Obviously, they would have not have let Alice Williams back into their home because of what they did to her. But the right. fact that they think Logan Browning's bringing her back to like finish the job, they're like, yeah, let's bring her in here, let's do this. But in actual, like, actuality, I love that she, yeah, she did the hand thing and then as if to say like oh now they're not she she knew that they weren't going to want her back like mm-hmm. it's all then, all of it played but it, perfectly but it was to save her because obviously right, she was right. probably been this abuse victim and didn't really realize cut off your hand to spite your face what's the expression well it's cut off your nose to spite yeah, your right, face right. But cut this, off your hand to spite your something i don't know that does that doesn't apply to this okay uh, thanks <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway uh so then yeah it becomes like a third kind of twist which i really liked and then and the ending is just twisted. We'll, we'll leave that one for you to find. Um, yeah, the last shot, especially Stephen Weber at that last shot, I was like, huh? Oh, wow. Didn't see that, didn't see yeah. that coming. Oh. I just, like, just talking about this movie makes me giddy. Like, what other what other movies have come out like this in, in the past few years? Like, it's just, I can't well, think of anything that, like it. I mean, I feel like it's an American version of, like, a French extremity horror movie where those have, like, a lot of twists and get, like, really violent, violent and somewhat sadistic. But those movies are always, like, leave you kind of, I feel like, like the on, twist like, here was so dumb. That like yeah this this one's more like I mean it's Americanized it's, it's just Americanized which makes, it's a little yeah. more obvious you know so yeah. those those French extremity movies always kind of end you feeling like worse yeah you know but this movie kind of like it had in its own way had its own revenge I mean it ends with also in in in, in ending melee Allison Williams arms get fucked up so then it ends with two of the best cello players both with one arm so it ends with them playing a cello like each with one part you know one person's got the bow the other person's doing the finger thing or whatever like now the two of them combined or whatever i thought i thought i i I thought the movie was pretty good i I thought it was really ridiculous it was a perfect amount of ridiculous without being too crazy but oh i think it is too ridiculous but i love it for it and i uh yeah it's a good one i really really enjoy this movie it's my favorite netflix movie in a long time probably uh definitely watch the perfection uh skip charlie Mm -hmm. says in my opinion and (laughs) skip brightburn honestly i mean watch it on vod it'll be watch it on netflix it'll be fine yeah, it'll probably be worth watching, just not like going anyway. It's just it's just not great. It's totally it it delivers exactly what it like what you'd think it would, but and and like no more. And like no more at all. Yeah. There you have it. Well, right. I will be back next week with something because Brett is gonna be moving. I'm moving and my parents are here. I I would make time if I could. I just can't next week, but we'll be back the week after with uh mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's getting to be child's play time. There's a lot of stuff coming. Uh we'll we'll, yeah, we'll it's talk coming. Then. All right, cool, man. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye. All right, bye. Pop the new flesh. I learned that death is not the end. Pop the new flesh. Pop the new flesh.
hoping you'd be back. 